Welcome back, guys. Um, today I've got a special episode. I'm going to be sitting with a, a gentleman by the name of Terence Tracy, for those of you that don't know him. Um, Terence has been working with us for quite a while, and he's got quite a history behind him. I've known Terence for, what, about seven, eight years? Yeah. And every time we get together, Terence has got stories. Actually, Terence got you at nine o'clock. It's been an hour, and I've been listening to stories about other things. So, uh, Terence. Welcome. Thank you very much. Wes, lovely to be here, man. And only a pleasure to have you. So, T, I wanted to find out a lot about you, your industry, your experiences. Um, how did you start? How did you get into this industry and why? Um, well, I was uh, I was too lazy to work and I was too scared to steal. So, I had to find something that would give me money uh, that would, uh, you know, basically keep me alive and, and out of jail. Yeah, so seriously, sorry. Um, I, I was doing historic car racing. Uh, with an old Ford Capri, uh, 1600, very, very nice car to drive, a lot of fun, cheap racing at the time. Um, and a couple of my mates that I raced with, raced against, um, they were in the industry of advanced driver instruction. And uh, two of them uh, worked at the Audi Fourings Driving Academy, and they said, listen, they were looking for uh, instructors. I think they were probably... Um, yeah, they probably had a team of about 20 at the time and they wanted to add on or maybe one or two guys were moving out from that team. So I went there for an assessment. How long ago was this? It was about 20 years ago. Okay. All right. And uh, an interesting story happened. Um, I was uh, put in a car with David Lottering. He was then going to assess me, Michelle, Rian, and... Uh, the three of us were going to be in the car with David, and he had then got to give feedback to Ermi at the end of the day. She was the team owner, and uh, he was to give feedback at the end of the day. So, spin the car uh, forward a little bit. So, what car was it? It was an uh, Audi A4 uh, that David was driving. And then, um, before we got out onto the track, <clears throat> John Simpson, yeah. he was then also one of my uh, racing buddies, he said, hey, Terence, what are you doing here today? I said, no, I'm coming for a drive. Um, and I didn't tell him I was coming for assessment or anything like that. And then he says, oh, he had a look at the uh, at the chart, and he says, oh, he's with David Luttering. Oh, he speaks Afrikaans. No, I'm going to put him with, with uh, Steve Morris from England. I, he looked much more fun with Steve Morris <clears throat> because um, he didn't know that I was being assessed. So then he changed me into Steve Morris's car. Did you know Stevie by then? No. Okay, no, so no, it's the first time no, you actually no. met Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, Morris, uh, I was in Morris's car, and then the guy that was in Morris's car was then put in with Rian and Michelle. Okay. So at the end of the day, um, we were told that we're going to be driving on a new, we're going to be assessed, uh, no, not assessed, we're going to be doing, the last um, session is going to be on a new track. And I said to myself, that's going to be interesting. I said, so we're going to drive from Kalami yeah. probably to Schwartkops, and, and then... Because I knew Schwartkops, I used to race. And everything you've just learned throughout the day, now you have to apply it a whole new circuit. Yeah. But now, I said to myself, the timing is not going to work because we're going to finish this at about four and then we have to be finish everything by five. So then they said, okay, here we go. We're going to the new track now. Get out onto the Kalami racetrack. And they said, go back, drive opposite way on the track. And then you had to find new lines. Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, I had fun. I had a whole bunch of fun with Morris. Ernie then said to uh, David at the end of the day, David, how was Rian? And he says, oh, Rian was fantastic. And he says, and Michelle, how was she? A good instructor? No, she's going to be a really fantastic instructor as well, 100%. And what about Terence? 
Um, no, Johan. Johan was also very, very good. No, Terence. No, it was Johan. Uh, she said, no, it was Terence. Look at the list. Who changed the world? <laughs> so, yeah, so John Simpson got into so much trouble because of that. So I had to go back a couple of days later oh, or a week uh, later, whatever, for another assessment. And, and of course, John Simpson. He took me, and of course he had to pass me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so yeah, so for that reason, I got into the into the Audi team, and then obviously when that um, that academy closed down a couple of years later, um, and they closed down, and it was twenty thirteen. Yeah, so then I, I was relying on my other three jobs that I was doing. I was running restaurants and working at the bank. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Whatever. But Terence isn't telling <laughs> you. So then, if you picked it up yet, but Terence is Irish, um, <laughs> used to own Scrooge which is a bar, and never drank alcohol in his life. So you've got an Irishman that owns a bar that doesn't drink. Very trustworthy type of guy, isn't he? So yeah, so you ran, you ran the restaurant? Yeah. No, at, the the time, at, the t at that time, I was actually still working at the bank, but okay. I was working part-time in the restaurant because it was belonged to my friend, and oh, right. I had previously worked in Scrooge before I joined the bank. And then, anyway, yeah, so basically, um, a couple of years later, I don't remember the time frame, but uh, Morris then was working at, um, Land Rover. at Land Rover. So that was 2000. It was at the launch, at the launch of the Range Rover Sport in, in and out of the DC-10. That's right. Okay. Yes, yes. So, so that so, must have been the first time I met you then. I don't remember meeting you at that uh, one, but I remember meeting Rian there. Um, the broken leg. Remember? Yes, I vaguely remember that yes. now. Yes, yes, yes. yes a right. photo on the wing <coughs> of all of us. Yeah, I wasn't part of that. Oh. Yeah, I, w I only worked one day with you guys there. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Um, and I still remember um, um, being told that Sean, Sean is now the boss, and, and he had to, we had to reverse cars and stuff like that. And I was, oh. I, I was about best behavior was my first time, and I wanted to make a big impression. And, yeah, so clearly, that was the first day I worked at, um, because I, I got on very well. Uh, uh, at Audi with with Morris, he was he was a, a fantastic guy for me. He was the guy that that I felt that I learned the most from. And of all the instructors, I worked with you many times, but he's the guy that basically I learned most from. Yeah, for Steve. some reason, there was a there was a reason that the chemistry was just fantastic. Yeah, but Steve was also a very outgoing guy. He gave you the <coughs> time of day and listen, talent like you cannot believe. Yeah, I don't think he yeah. realized how much talent he actually had. Um, but also the first time I met Stevie, when you get on with him, and he's always he's always happy to share yeah, and have conversations yeah, yeah, about certain yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. Quattro fan, like you cannot believe. He used yeah. to hate BMW. I see he's actually doing some work with BMW now in the UK. Yeah, <laughs> lots of work with so him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Word, Stevie. Yeah. But um, yeah, hell of a good guy. And then he eventually he moved back to the UK after working yeah. with JLR for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I worked a lot with him in JLR. Then he and I became very friendly and, and, and very, very, very worked a lot together at uh, Jaguar Land Rover. And that's how I got back into Jaguar Land Rover. Um, yeah, so that's basically how I got into the industry. Why did I get into the industry? Not for the money, even though I, I, I've spent the money well and wisely. Not on alcohol. Not wisely. I spent it on cars and stuff. But yeah, I love anything to do with driving, anything to do with people. Those are the two things in, in, in life that I absolutely love. Yeah, well, Brock, we, we always say at work that uh, you can you can stretch a two-minute conversation to an hour. <laughs> we can see how much you enjoy being with everybody. And, but that's the thing that people don't understand. <coughs> Sorry. In our industry, it's we're an entertaining game. Yeah. It's not yeah. how good you are driving or how good you are instructing. It's also how do you engage with people, how do you create rapport and those types yeah. of things. And I suppose that's also why we stay in the industry. Yeah, look, the restaurant industry has got uh, parallels with our industry because obviously you're dealing with people. Yeah, hospitality, uh, interpersonal skills is probably the most important.
quality to have in our industry. Yeah. I suppose in any industry. Uh, not in an accounting industry. <laughs> uh, lawyers, lawyers you, know, you know what they use as a... No, I won't. I won't. <laughs> so, T, tell us about your little expedition that you did. So, you had this plan. Um, actually, tell us about what the Hillman Imp is first. The Hillman Imp is a British car. It's not an English car. It's British. It was made in Scotland. Okay. And um, uh, the reason that it was made in Scotland, uh, Roots, the Roots group that made very good cars for many, many years, um, were encouraged by the then government to put a factory up in Scotland because there was a lot of unemployment in Scotland. There was a lot of shipbuilders out of uh, work and they said to the Roots group, why don't you build one of your cars up in Scotland? We'll give you a lovely facility up in Scotland at a very uh, big tax break. And then they built the Hillman Imp uh, factory up in Linwood in Scotland. And the engines were still coming from uh, Coventry because it was based on the Coventry Climax engine. Um, so there was logistical um, problems because the car would be finished and then they would have to send the engine up from Coventry up through to Scotland or by train. And that was obviously problematic. Um, however, um, they still made 500,000 cars, which is not bad, but not as many as the Mini. They tried to get the the Mini car on the road before the BMC Mini, but okay. they didn't. The BMC was out in about 759, I think, okay. and ours first uh, was launched in 63. Right. So in 63, the car was born, you could say, and um, about 47 years later, the Hillman Imp Club, um, mainly uh, members in England, although they've got members all over the world, I'm one of them, um, they said, what should we do to celebrate the car's 50th birthday in 2013? So uh, there were some suggestions that they would come and have a convoy of cars coming from the old Linwood factory all the way down to Coventry, where they would be having the final get-together. And uh, I phoned the chairman of the club, Graham was his name. I phoned Graham one day and I said, hi, Graham. I'm a member of the Imp Club, it's Terence, and... Uh, uh, I would like to suggest that one of the things that we could do for the celebration of the of the 50th anniversary in two and a half years' time is I'll drive one of my imps to Coventry. He said, fantastic idea. He said, a lot of the guys will be driving uh, their imps to Coventry. Which town are you coming from? I said, Randburg. <laughs> he said, Randburg? Who is that? Where's Randburg? I said, just north of Johannesburg. Um, and he says, no, you're mad. He says... Uh, are you not aware of what happened to the two boys who tried to do the Mongol rally in the Nimp? I said, yes, I know, but but they didn't prepare the car properly. I'm going to prepare it really well. And of course I didn't. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah, so then uh, he said, no, that would be awesome if you could do that. He said, that would be absolutely fantastic. He said, but I think it's going to be too much for you. I said, well, we'll see. So then... We started preparing the car. I gave it to a guy, and uh, he and I were going to be traveling together. He's a British motor car mechanic genius, and I gave the car to him. We did the panel, panel beating of one of the AIMS, and eventually um, the car was at his place probably for about six months longer than it should have been. Yeah. And eventually I, I started panicking. I said, Johan, I said, listen, by the end of October, if you haven't put 10,000 rand in my account, I'm actually going to start looking for somebody else to travel with. And by the end of October, he hadn't put it in. So I wrote a letter to him and emailed him. And I said, listen, Johan, I'm now going to look for somebody else. And then I was having a 
I brought my brother-in-law's house one day and I was telling them that I now look, I was looking for somebody else to travel with. And uh, my sister-in-law said to me, why don't you speak to Jeff, her brother? Jeff and I worked at the bank together. I knew him. And I said, yeah, I will. And I phoned him and he says, okay, I'll think about it and I'll come back to you. He told me later, he said, you there, he knew there and then he wanted to do it, but obviously he needed to run it past his wife to make sure. So yeah, so Jeff and I did then um, agreed that we'd do the trip together. Okay, well, we let, let's set about the, the human being. A lot of people don't know about it. You mentioned Mini. Mm. How big was it in comparison to the Mini? What it's about size? two millimeters longer. It's a tiny bit wider. It's about the same size as a Mini. Okay. It, the engine is an 875cc um, uh, uh, rear engine car. It was a little bit advanced for its time because it had an overhead cam. Okay. All aluminium engine, all aluminium gearbox, and it oh, was referred. Is. Yeah, it was referred to as the poor man's Porsche. Okay. Because it handles like a, um, a Porsche. It had a, a very, a very um, long uh, wishbone in the front, or uh, yeah, swing arms in the front, okay. um, and then the 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 rear was a, a trailing arm. Um, a suspension setup so independent suspension all around in 63 and, yeah, yeah. Like and then um it was exceptionally good handler okay. um so basically the car was a really fantastic um engineering uh and, feat and, for its time and, and like the mini as well i mean it was nice and light it didn't carry all that weight with it so small motor not huge power but very light so very nimble yeah 39 horsepower 39 horsepower yeah yeah, yeah. Like, like the, the, the carburetor was like about the size of an egg cup <laughs> a, sm a small egg cup not, not across a, africa in the yeah world. yeah yeah why not yeah, it was <laughs> economical it wasn't it wasn't heavy on fuel <laughs> <laughs> which is what you needed real mm. buff Rear-wheel drive, yeah. So the, power, the the weight was on the driven wheels. And uh, yeah, so clearance was a bit of an issue. Yeah. But definitely the, the car, the, what was nice about that car when it, when they brought it out, it had a rear opening window. So it was like almost like a hatchback. You could drop the back seat down to make it into a station wagon. Just like that. I didn't know that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, so wow. what we did was we actually took the back seat out of our car and yeah. put tools in there instead. I can imagine, yeah. Yeah, so basically uh, the car... Um, uh, it was brought to market a bit too early. They, they didn't do enough testing um, in the time um, because they had already invited the Prince of Wales, I think it was. It was then didn't he come, become the, the, the Queen's husband? Anyway, whatever. One of these royalty. He was invited to open the factory okay. in Linwood. And because of that, they rushed the car to market. They should have delayed it by, let's say, six months, and then the car would have probably done a lot better. The car was also fraught with problems insofar as <clears throat> a huge amount of industrial uh, action in the factory where the f uh, factory workers would go on strike regularly, hold up uh, production, and it was, it, yeah, it had many, many problems at the beginning. Then, um, years and years later, uh, a lot of the guys realized that this car is a fantastic car to tune and to make into rally cars and race cars. So it was an exceptionally good car for rallying. Wow. <coughs> Excuse me. A girl called Rosemary Smith was a dressmaker in, in Dublin. And you might say to me, Terence, we're talking about cars here. <laughs> yeah. But this beautiful girl in, in Dublin, uh, Rosemary Smith, um, uh, she was asked by the Roots Group, um, they threw her a set of keys for a Hillman and they said, listen, would you run, would you drive this car in, in an upcoming rally for us? 
because they knew that sex sells. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, what they didn't realize is that she actually turned out to be a fantastic driver. <laughs> so it backfired on it. Well, not really. It, 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 it didn't backfire. It front-fired. Yeah, well, they started focusing but, on the driving element. Let me tell you, she won the Monte Carlo Rally outright one year. Really? Outright. In an imp? In a human imp. Wow. However, she was disqualified because the lights of the car pointed a little bit higher than they should have according to the, the, the regulations. So she was relegated to the Coupe de Dam or something like that. And, and, and the three minis were, were allowed to win in front of her. Anyway, politics in, uh, in poli politics in, were involved then already, you could say. Whatever, it's urban legend. But anyway, Rosemary Smith happens to have been the eldest person to ever drive a Formula One car. Did you know that? No. Yeah, she drove the Formula One Renault in Paul Ricard about three, four years ago. Oh, really? With um, with uh, Steve Morris's boss. What's his name? Um, uh, Palmer. Oh, yes. Johnson Palmer. That's he was remember he was racing Formula uh, Formula One Renault. Wow. Yeah. So she's driven that. I've and never even heard her name before. Rosemary Smith and I met in Dublin. She had her Hillman Imp rally car parked next to my Jolan Imp in Dublin at the end of my trip. Yes, sir. Jesus. So obviously, you obviously haven't read my book. Not that far. Okay. This <laughs> is the back pages. This yeah. is the back pages. Okay. Jeez, so, so the Hillman Imp then, so she went on to win numerous uh, rallies, uh, Coupe de Dames, and she became very, very uh, prominent um, rally driver. And she's the president of the Imp Club now. So, yeah. So, so the Hillman Imp then became a favorite for rallying um, uh, drivers and that. And yeah. and it won it it's won uh, recently um, classic uh, touring car championships in England yeah so it's still it's still a very much um, loved uh, car for for uh, people who tune them wow yeah very interesting that's it so let's chat about your trip then so what date were you planning on leaving how long did you think it was going to take you I wanted to leave on the seventeenth of March uh, which was St Patrick's Day I decided let me leave on St Patrick's Day. And then uh, get to, get to England by the first of May. Okay, so yeah, so, what's that? So, yeah. 40, 45 days or so. Yeah, so I yeah. left myself some time. What we didn't, uh, what we underestimated was the red tape in getting visas for this whole trip. Okay. And uh, won't get into detail about that. If you want to read the detail, buy my book. Okay. We'll go so basically, so yeah. We'll, we'll go through Terence's book now. It's been around. <laughs> Terence has promoted it all over Africa whenever we do trips into Africa. <laughs> but I'll, I'll put Terence's information and you guys can contact him if you'd like the book. Yes, yeah, so basically, the um, uh, the plan was to leave on the 17th of March. And because I had hooked up with Johan and that delayed the, the building of the car, eventually um, we then were within spitting distance of leaving. And I said to this lady that... I was relying on to get the car onto the native system. I gave her the papers of the car and I said, here you go. Will you get this sorted out for me? She said, yes. Um, uh, how soon do you want it us back? I said, look, we're leaving in two weeks. She said, there's no way you can get the car onto the native system in two weeks' time. I said, well, we have to. We have to leave in two weeks' time. She said, it can't be done. And I had a beautiful engine in that car. That I had that I had raced for a year in 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 the first time I raced the Hillman Imp, I had this. So it was it was a, a slightly tuned engine, but not too hectic. Mm. And obviously, then I was going to run it with a single carb as opposed to a twin carburetor setup and stuff. So I had detuned it a, a little bit in that respect. More reliable for your long trip. Yeah. Mm. So then I said to her, "Well, 
what can I, I do? I, what can I do? Yeah. She said, well, nothing. She said, you can't, you can't rush this. So then I had myself in a, in a pickle, a proper pickle. Then I had a, another hemorrhage that I had flogged around Johannesburg for years. I bought it from a guy in Boxburg some years earlier. And, and uh, I decided, there's nobody from traffic department listening to this. Because what I did is I took the engine out of that car and, put it in and I put it into the what I call the Jolan Imp. Uh, why, why is it called Jolan? I'll tell you shortly. Okay. I put it into the Jolan Imp and I took the little aluminium plate off the blue Hillman Imp and I put it onto the Jolan Imp and I pop riveted it on. And I took the papers of that car and I put them into the, into the Jolan Imp. And applied for everything with that. And then I didn't apply. It was already on the road. The other, the other car was on the road. Because I was driving, so yeah. it was illegal. So essentially, you so, just so now I just right. made another body legal. Okay. So yeah, so then uh, illegal, legal. Why I called the car the Jolan Imp? I had decided to go from Johannesburg to London. Joe for Johannesburg, Lon for London. Okay. Because I didn't want to say Joe Co. Yeah. Joe Coventry because I was going to Coventry because Joe Co. Sounds like a cup of tea. Yeah, no, no. A, cu- cu- cup of, a cup of coffee. Well, a cup of tea. Joko, Joko tea bags. Uh, uh, no, I thought Joko was... Oh, that's Jacobs. Jacobs! <laughs> so I call it the Jolan Imp. Yeah, so I put it into the Jolan. And when we left Johannesburg, the car was already burning a litre of oil a day when we left Johannesburg. Jeez. You believe me? Mm, I can't please, believe please, you. please believe me. And I'll show you proof. There's a photograph on page 224 of the car arriving at the campsite in England and I'm showing it on the camera. Can you see it on the camera there? Yes, I can. And you see out the back of the car something uh, coming out the exhaust pipe? <laughs> on the bottom over there. That's pre-vape era. <laughs> that is huge amount of smoke. That was coming out of the back of the car when I arrived in England. So I've already told you that I've arrived in England. And we didn't uh, yeah. we didn't cheat. We didn't cheat a lot. Because my dad always said to me, Terence, you know what? I'm going to give you a lesson in life. If at first you fail, cheat. <laughs> so yeah, so I, we did cheat a little bit That's along the way. That's why you moved to South Africa from Ireland. Yeah. It was far yeah, easier yeah, to live by. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, what are we ta- we're talking about the car. We're talking about so why... just left Joburg. You called it Jolon. Oh, no, I didn't leave Johannesburg. No. I tried to. <laughs> I, I left my house and then... Um, Outside the house, I had my first breakdown. Not, not crying. I didn't cry. It was the car broke down. The, 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 I, had put, I had put two fuel tanks in to give me a better range. I had about a range of about 800 kilometers. Okay. Yeah, because I had two fuel tanks, um, genuine original Hillman uh, fuel tanks, one on top of the other. So then I had no luggage space in the front, so that's why I had to use the back seats oh, as so our luggage space. position in the front? Or was your spare fuel tank position in the front? Yeah. So yeah. under the back seat and then... No, 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 no. No, no. We had uh, the fuel tank of the Hillman Imp is in the front. Oh, really? And then I put another one on top of that. Okay. And then we had 20 liters of fuel on the roof. So that was then altogether 70 liters. 70 70, liters uh, it was uh, 27, 54, uh, 74 liters of fuel. Okay. Was it 25 liters? 20, 20 liters. Yeah. So about 74 liters, that would have given us about 800 kilometers on a good road yeah. okay we didn't have very good roads all the time anyway so uh, we get out of my house and as we stop the car outside to close the gate and, and, and be on our way there I see petrol pouring out in front of the car so I realized obviously part of the plumbing wasn't 
like connected properly. Yeah. So I said to Jeff, I said, you know what? I'm loath to take out the tools that we've packed in the car. I'm just going to reverse back in and, and fix it with the tools in the garage. And there's where I realized our second breakdown. I found I had no more reverse gear. Oh, no. We didn't have time. We were already now yeah. not leaving on the 17th of March because we were, it was now the 28th of March. It was it was Holy Thursday. It was Easter Thursday before the, the, and we were leaving on the 28th of March. So we had a lot less time to get to England than so we, we had planned. Yeah. So then we also lost reverse gear. We lost 11 days, lost reverse gear. And lost petrol. And but we didn't lose our temper. 500 meters, not even 50 meters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even that. So then um, I said to Jeff, we haven't got time to fix this. And if I start fiddling with it now, I might lose first and third. And I said, just let's go. It's light enough for us to push back if we have to push it back. So we decided. And then as the trip progressed and we were meeting obstacle after obstacle after obstacle, I said to, I said to Jeff, I said, you know what? We've got something very positive in our makeup here. We ain't got reverse. So no matter what the hell the problem is, we have to fix it and go forward because there's no way we can go back. That's why I've called my book No Way Back. <laughs> How many k's was it from your house to London? Uh, 14,000 kilometers. 14,000. Yeah. Not a long distance, actually, if you think about it. I mean, 14,000 k's is long enough on a tar road. Now you're driving across Africa without reverse, leaking petrol 50 yeah. meters into your trip. Yeah, we, we actually we, 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 we said we said that um, uh, as we were progressing, we, we actually made a joke. We said we were, we were actually blessing Africa with petrol. <laughs> we were you know, sprinkling <laughs> blessings. Listen, now that's worth a lot of money. Yo! <laughs> <laughs> and then we eventually started calling it the Road of Miracles. So yeah, we left, uh, we left uh, with no reverse. It wasn't lighter because the gears were still there. But anyway, listen, let's not be frivolous. Um... We had decided not to drive at night because it's dangerous. And uh, there's another reason why we decided not to drive at night, but I'll get to that now. As we get towards Martin's Drift on the first day, it was now nightfall. We were driving through the, the roads of um, South Africa, getting to the Botswana border. And that's where I first said to Jeff, Jeff, please, please slow down. You're going, I feel you're going a little bit too fast. For the conditions of the of the road and he says he did slow down he did was it raining no it wasn't but it was, was just it he was just flying he was just absolutely flying okay and uh, uh he did slow down to to make me feel a bit more comfortable and um then coming around one of the corners there we hit complete power failure no power on the engine no lights on the dash no lights in front of us he stopped the car before he hit anything and we realized that it had popped a fuse. It had a main fuse that kept popping all the way to England. Eventually in Bulgaria, over the mountains into uh, Romania, what happened was in the middle of a, a, a terrible um, rainstorm, um, going up the side of this mountain, it popped and it also melted, completely melted the fuse box on the one side. So we had to rewire that fuse box in the pouring rain with flashlights to, um, the other side of the fuse box that hadn't yet melted. Yeah. Okay. There's a picture of um, well, it's not a picture of much really. Yeah, you can see, you can see the flash. You can see the uh, yeah. You can no, no, it's not a flash. That's a genuine uh, picture. Oh, yeah, the flash does actually light up the, 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 the but it shows how far the lights headlights of the car go. Almost no distance at all. So that's why we decided not to to drive at night. Yeah. But we had to. Yeah. 
Just so so that was time. the first, that was, a, that was the second, that was the third um, um, failure. The petrol, no reverse, no, no lights. We fixed it. New fuses. We had plenty of fuses. And then we get to um, Ellis Ross and we put in fuel um, because we'd been blessing the road. <laughs> and we were wondering why was Ellis Ross such a popular place? A lot of cars in the petrol station. Yeah, a lot. Many, many. Many more than normal. Yeah. Holy Thursday. Ah, oh, everyone's going across the border. What about Moriah? Yeah. Isn't there a big ZCC meeting in Moriah? Yes. Oh. Millions of people. So that's why maybe he said maybe because of that. No, it's not because of that. Because Easter weekend, all these Zimbabweans go back to Zimbabwe. Exactly. And the clever guys decide not to use Bait Bridge, but to use Martin's Drift. Yes. So now you're going to Wesley, we got to Martin's Drift. And it took us five hours to get through the border. Again, the, the, there are stories. I can tell you stories about that border crossing. That will take us another half an hour at least. I'm not going to. It's in the book. It's in the book. It, it was scary. It was absolutely scary. Eventually, we get through at 4 o'clock in the morning. We get through. We go to the campsite. We put up our tent. Slept in the tent almost immediately. And then... Um, the next morning we started the car, packed up our stuff, started the car. All the monkeys wanted to steal our food from the containers on the on the roof of the car. And uh, then uh, we started the car. Jeff uh, uh, stayed in the car running the, the, the car while I went in and paid for the campsite. And we were on our way. And as I came out, immediately checked the the uh, heat, the temperature gauge. Oh. It was almost in the red. I said, Jeff, stop, stop, stop. Something's wrong. And it's an aluminium motor as well. And, and we also, uh, by the way, the car wouldn't start uh, at the campsite. We had to start with a solenoid at the back of the oh. at the back of the car. So then I said, "Oh, oh no, is this what it's going to be? It's going to be dread from the beginning." So what had happened was one of the little um, connections had popped off the ignition switch, okay. and basically that's why we had to start it at the back because the ignition connection to the wires at the back wasn't it wasn't lacquer, and. Um, and then uh, also it ran an electric water pump. So the electric water pump wasn't working. So it heated the water in the engine. It wasn't flowing through the radiator at all. It, yeah. And then we said, now stuff that. So uh, uh, Jen, Jeff found why the wire had come off the front, squeezed it with the pliers, popped it back on. And then uh, we kept checking the temperature all the way through. And it was, it was, it, it actually behaved. Okay. Yeah, it really was, it was great. And then every single morning we started, Jeff drove. Okay. Why? I was just too nervous. I was too nervous for everything, Wesley. I, 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 I was scared. I was scared that something was going to go wrong with the car. I was scared that w it would not make it any further. And it was, it was just such a it's bundle of nerves. I suppose you've spent this time prepping and you've really set everything out. And I can imagine the nerves. Every single day is a new day where you're worried <laughs> that things are going to start up or not or whatever the case may be. Jeff was probably just like, Let's get there. Crank, let's go. Now, he was, he, was, he was great, let me tell you. He was fantastic. One of the biggest benefits that we had on the trip was we said up front, listen, we're going on this trip together. I know trips like this can fail because of fallouts. Yeah. Can we agree? If we have a fallout, we can well have one. Let's box and fix it there and then. Yeah. Let the sun not set on any disagreement. And, and I'll tell you, there's a very interesting page of stats on the back of my book here. 
Again, I'm referring to my little book here, and I'll read it just now. Um, and that was actually a very, very good thing that we did. Try and find sure. it. Nice. See, we, uh, we've um, spent a lot of time together on events, and you can see after like day four, day five, people start getting in each other's hair and start messing up the team dynamics. So yep. you can only imagine a month in a car with one person with stressful environments without reverse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things to put in there. Go to page number 240. I'm actually there now. Go and look at the one on the right-hand side. There's a lot of writing. Go to the little um, uh, bullet points, yeah. if you like, and, and read punches. the first one. Zero punches. Yeah. Why? Zero why? You must ask me why. Yeah, why? Because Roger Pierce, a brilliant guy that drove to England five times with various vehicles, um, said to me, do not put car tires on your car. Put bucky, commercial bucky tires on okay. with a million plies. Yeah. So the sidewall was stronger than the body of the car. <laughs> That's why I didn't get any punctures. Not one. Not one puncture. I brought the spare wheel back from from England with still the hairs. You know the hairs on, on, the, the, all on the side of it and on the top of it. Okay. I, did, I did use a spare wheel once. Ask me just now why I used it. Okay. okay. Then you've got zero arguments. You see? Zero arguments. Zero bribes paid. Mm -hmm. a a, my very good friend from Cape Town, Arnold, my business partner, at the time he said to me, do not pay any bribes. He said, if you pay a bribe, you'll never stop paying them. Yeah, you pay thing. nothing. Yeah. Just stick to your guns. You got your paperwork, stick to your guns. Because we know going into Africa, especially into Zim, you'll get pulled over yeah. just yeah. for a bribe to let yeah. you go again. That's why we avoided Zim, by the way. We avoided Zim at the time because we, we went to but because we said that they had general elections at the time and okay. I didn't want to, to, uh, an extra complication. Yeah. And also yeah. you can't budget on the time there. We've been put yeah. up at the, at the border for how long in Zimbabwe? Yeah. Well, not five hours, eh? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, think, I think Andy and them were there for eight hours. I believe so, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so zero arguments. Next one, zero bribes paid. Yeah. Zero What's the next one? stolen from us. Can you believe that? And the car wow. was exposed. How much wow. stuff do we have on the roof? Well, you nearly had monkey yeah. steal stuff on the roof. But well, they didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they probably didn't like our food. Yeah. <laughs> probably put food there for you. Try some bananas. <laughs> zero money on our return and zero regrets. That's very cool. Yeah. I haven't got into this party. Why did I, why did I get zero? Punk, uh, zero uh, why did I use this spare tire once? That's what yeah. I said. What, why? What was it used for? Okay. In Kenya, the road... The road was bad getting to Kenya, and and then. So before the, you get to Kenya, so you went through. We could jump to Kenya. So you yeah. went through Botswana, obviously into Zambia. Into Zambia. Drove yeah. through Zambia. Yeah. And then from Zambia, went into Tanzania. Tanzania. Tanzania and Tanz. From Tanz, we went into into Kenya. So straight there. So you actually went past um, uh, Kili. Kili. Yeah, yeah. Kilimanjaro. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We didn't climb it. Okay. Um, yeah. So basically, we get to uh, Kenya and uh, arrived in Nairobi. We called it, a, we gave Nairobi a new name mm -hmm. because we found everything was very expensive there. We called it Nairobbery. Okay. Yes, it's like you buy a loaf of bread, do you think you were robbing you? Anyway, so we get to Kenya and uh, we, we stayed there at a, ooh, we stayed at a, at a, at a hostel. Okay. And fancy beds and stuff like that. You could actually lie, it was, a, you know, about five of us in the, in the same dormitory. Um, and guys from Indian, Japan and England and stuff like that. It was cool. Um, so we now we started to meet like fellow travelers and stuff. Yeah. Like it was it was really cool. Uh, but we were still a bunch of nerves. And uh, we had met people in Tanzania that had come down from from Kenya. Egypt. 
Oh, from Egypt, all oh, right. And they said to us, Kenya, North Kenya, yeah, do not go there. You're going to die. They said, we had this problem, we had that problem. They said, the only way you can do it is to do it with a mercenary. Get a mercenary to come with you, a soldier to go with you, armed guy, an armed guard to go with you. And and if you come to trouble, then you, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be okay. He'll, yeah. he'll sort you out. So we had a, a helmet imp. It's a five-seater car, but now with no reverse, no back seat. So now it's a two-seater. Where do you put the soldier? On the roof. <laughs> I said to Jeff, I said, you know what? He's a soldier. He's tough. He can handle it. He must go on the roof. It was only 500 kilometers of, of road that you need to cover. So then uh, these were all the computations that were going on in our brain while we were spending the time at this um, uh, youth hostel. And the German guy that was running the hostel was a real, a real, a real German, yeah. Because he took great pleasure out of telling us, yeah, your visas for Sudan that we had to apply for. He says, yeah, you will not get it now. No chance. We have a presidential inauguration, uh, uh, so all the embassies are closed for the next five days. So we had to stay there for five days. In this hostel? When we were late already. Jeez, like. So anyway, we are then, um, I won't get into the details of that, but uh, while we were in this uh, guest house, what was I talking about? I was talking about yeah, these guys said, said to us, people had been killed. No, 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 no. Thomas Falcon, you know Thomas Falcon yes. races with us? Yes. He wrote a big article about our trip in the Sunday Times before we left. Oh, really? And I didn't read it until I had these five days to, to kill in, 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 in uh, Nairobi. I'm actually going to see him at Hill Climb. He's racing okay. for BM. So and you're asking him about this article. Yeah. And I'm reading this article and he tells about the Englishman that was speared to death on the same road that we would have to drive on a week later. Wow. Speared to death a week earlier. A week earlier, not like, like months earlier, or a year so before. what was the reason for all of this happening there? He had money. So it was just... Yeah, just random. And then, and then um, uh, we, we realized now we have to have this soldier. And this soldier is going to cost us about 5,000 Rand. For how long? For the trip. Right. Whatever. Uh, so it will probably take us about three or four days to get okay. to you. Because it's a mud road. Yeah. So it's a dirt road. Anyway, um, then this Yugoslav lady and gentleman, they were coming down on a motorbike. They uh, also told us a story. And they said, well, take that guy with you. And if you come across the bandits, and it's called the bandit road for a very good reason. Just remember one thing. The first shot that's going to be fired, this guy is going to run off into the bush and you'll never see him again. Yeah. So why waste your money? Just go there, wait for a convoy in Mausabit and go with the convoy. Yeah. So we said, okay, it makes sense. So then we got to, we eventually, eventually get our car, um, uh, our visa for, for Sudan in, in uh, Kenya, five days later, and we started leaving. We were delighted to be on the road again. Oh, by the way, during that five days, that is the time that Jeff and I walked to the shopping center, and you will realize why we walked to the shopping center four kilometers away in the pouring rain, because to drive the car would have taken us longer. Yeah. You know what the traffic uh, in Kenya is like. I wasn't on that trip, but um, the guys went to Nigeria. Uh, sorry, Nairobi, Nairobi. And they said in the rain, I think it took them seven hours to drive three Ks. <laughs> Myself parked the car, <laughs> ran inside to get a charging cable, came back yeah. in traffic and hadn't moved. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah, just yeah, sat yeah. there. So yeah, it's no exactly. Yeah. So we then went to the, and, and then um, uh, we went to the uh, this shopping center and we bought modern wiper blades. And we took the rubber out of the wiper blade and put it into the into the wipers because we didn't have wipers. The, 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 the rubber was 60 years old or 50 years old or whatever. <laughs> so it was plastic. It was, it was useless. Yeah. It was, and it was pouring. It was the heaviest rain. 
Kenya had the highest rainfall in recorded history when we traveled through. And I had contacted the, I had contacted the, um, uh, the, the tourism uh, department of Kenya a couple of years earlier. And I said, tell me about this road from Mazabit to, to Mayali in, in Ethiopia. They said it's 500 kilometers of dirt road, but they said you cannot do it in the, in the wet season. In the dry season, it can only be uh, achieved with the best 4x4. And I'm doing it now in the, the, say, the highest rainfall in recorded history, and the Helmut Imp is trying it. <laughs> that doesn't have reverse. <laughs> doesn't have reverse. Well, there's no way we can go back. Anyway. So just to stop you there, when we went to Nairobi, yeah. um, you took me to that one little shopping center, and you gave somebody one of your books. Yeah. Is, are those people by any chance people that you met on the way, or how did you know them? Because I realized you knew people all over Africa too and said, I had no idea. No, no, I hadn't, um, uh, no, I hadn't met them on that trip, but I had um, previously been uh, there and I, why? I don't know when I was there previously without you in Kenya. Yeah. Remember I must have been, I must have been in Kenya. Yeah, was I in Kenya before? Because I gave, maybe, uh, was it in Kenya that we had? Yes. Uh, Remember we walked, we were staying? No, 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 no. That was in, in, in Zambia. Was it Zambia? It was Zambia, yeah. I didn't oh, give the okay. book to anybody. That was in Zambia. And to the I, shopping center. Yeah, yeah. And I had previously been there and I'd given them uh, copies of my book oh, to sell, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, no. So, no. That was, um, uh, yeah. So, in, in, so, we spent five days there. We eventually got a visa and we started going. Then we stopped at the army, the British army um, barracks in, at the beginning of that dirt road in a place just before Marzabit. Uh, on the way now to Ethiopia. I'm trying to remember what the name of that place is. I might, it might come to me now because I realized that I should stop and speak to these um, uh, British soldiers that had a garrison there. And I thought, you know, they'd say, welcome in the Hillman in the car. Come and spend the night with us here, guys. And, and uh, you know, we'll look after you. And then the next day we go, quite the opposite happened. They didn't, they weren't friendly to us at all. And the guy said to me, yeah, well, the problem with the, 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 the bandit road or the road that you're going on now is what will happen is there'll be a guy will come out into the middle of the road. He'll stop you and he will say to you, okay, give us, you know, money and stuff like that. Um, and if you don't stop, you just drive around the corner and there's a guy uh, 500 meters up. He'll just shoot you and take whatever is worth taking on your car. And that's it. You will, you'll never hear from you again. Sure. Then that was, yeah. that was a really scary moment for me. So we then went out and we found a little guest house to stay in that night. And uh, I was really, I didn't sleep well that night. I was really, really, really worried. Oh, and the, the, then I realized I had to get to this place called Marzabit, which was not far ahead, and wait for a convoy of people there and then travel with the convoy. So when so, you say a convoy, is it logistics company? No, or? just people that are also doing the road okay. um, and, and wait for uh, five or six uh, uh, cars. cars to get and together. And they tend to do that. So a lot of people would leave together or join the convoy together so that they... I can... don't know. Okay, just... Because we didn't, we didn't bother waiting. I suppose. We didn't bother waiting. Oh, really? we, said, we said to ourselves, you know, we filled up with petrol at Mars a bit. And I said, you know what, Jeff? What happens if we get to a convoy and, and, and there's a guy in the back of the convoy and he breaks down, then the whole convoy waits for him to fix... So if we break down, they'll I said, guess what? That can delay us even further. We haven't got time. Yeah. We must go. We must go. You know what? Let's just go for it. And then we started driving in the nighttime through this mud. In, on Bandit Road. In, in, on Road, yeah. And then eventually we get to a place. It was like, it, it, you know, the lights were bad on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, on the, oh, we saw. On, on the Hillman Inn. And that was probably a good thing. That was probably a good thing. <laughs> because if we had seen further ahead, we would have said, 
well, we have to fix reverse now. We have to go back. We, we just possibly couldn't possibly make it. But the next day we met, we actually then decided to pull over to the side of the mud. I mean, the road, the mud. Did I say the mud? Yeah, pull over to the side of the mud and we pitched camp for the night. Now, that was an interesting story because yes. we had a, we had a very nice um, dinner with a, um, a stew that you hold, all you had to do is add water to it and it becomes this lekker lamb stew. It was beautiful, man. We were starving. So eventually, in, in the distance, like far away, like probably about 100 kilometers you could see, it was flat, flat, flat. Flashes of lightning. I said, of lightning? Lightning. And I said to Jeff, ooh. So it wasn't raining yet. So it was. Ah, like oh, it had been raining for days. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it had been raining for days. In actual fact, if you go to my book as well, while we were still in that robbery, uh, there's a picture of my car, and it was actually raining so heavy, we actually covered it with a with a with a sail so that we could try and prevent some of the rain getting into it. Uh, page number ninety something, ninety something, ninety. Oh, I'm looking something. at the roads here, Terence. Yeah, no, that's that's you've gone too far. There you go. It'll be page 80-something, I think. Uh, so, yeah. So, basically, there you go. Page number 75. Look at page number 75. We had a sail over the book, or over, the, over, the, over the car. Quite literally. Just to try and prevent some of the rain going in there. Anyway, so we, we get to... Um, uh, the, 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 we see then this rain possible storm. But miles in the distance, we said, hopefully it'll blow off to the other side. So, then we popped into our tent and we were sleeping. Uh, I think I was so tired, before my head hit the pillow, I was asleep. And then at one o'clock in the morning, I woke up. Why? Because I just heard doof. Gunfire. Oh, rain. Raindrops on the tent. And bigger and bigger and bigger. And I said, I knew we were sunk. I knew we were, uh, there was no hope we were going to make our event in England. Yeah. I knew that that was going to sink us. But clearly, I said earlier, we made England, so you're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. You're going to find out what we, why we called it the Road of Miracles eventually. We called it the Road of Miracles because it really was that. Um, and then the water started pouring into the tent. We were absolutely, eventually, um, I won't get into too much detail, but finally, after about an hour, I managed to curl up into into a position that had less rain pouring on me in the tent, and I tried to keep the 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 the, the um, um, sleeping bag dry. And eventually, eventually, I managed to get back to sleep. We did 150 the next day. 150 what? Meters. Oh yes. <laughs> So after the rains, when you packed up and started going again, 150 we, meters. We got 150 there. meters, and there was a manjimila in there with a, with a big a big gun, and he stopped us uh, okay. on the road, and he says, oh, are you guys going to uh, Moyali? And I said, we're going to London. He said, really? Did you see what's happening down at the river? Did you hear what's happening down at the river? And we said, no. He said, there's four, uh, there's trucks stuck there and buses for four days already. We said, where's the river? He said, no, it's about a kilometer down the road. He wow. says, I think, I think you shouldn't go. He said, I think you should stay here. At the this was a, a, a security guard from a construction site from uh, the Chinese company building a new road. Okay. And he says, why don't you speak to the Chinese foreman and ask if you can stay here for a couple of days. So that's exactly what we did. So then we hung our, our, our uh, sleeping bags up in the in the in the shed that they gave us. We spent three, I think, three or four days. I can't remember. And we met a guy by the name of Steve White. He was 
a tour uh, driver from England with a big truck. You've told me about him yeah. for years. Yeah. And and for the benefit of the viewers, we basically then had a, a trip um, uh, from there. He left his truck. The roads are so bad. He left his truck there, and people from uh, Nairobi would come later and a couple of weeks later and collect the truck. He had to take a four by four. He hired a four by four to take him into into Mayali in 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 Ethiopia, and he would take a new truck from the from the tour company to to another, for, no from Addis Ababa. He would have to take it all the way to Addis Ababa. And he said, "Why don't you let me?" Speak to this guy and pay him uh, a fee, and then he can help you if you get stuck. And and about three days later, we tried to get through. And then the, the, when we started out from that construction site, we did we did eight kilometers. No, no, we did twenty kilometers in eight hours. Yeah, twenty kilometers in eight hours. And then by that stage, the two front wheels were pointing in towards each other. It was, it was almost like a plow. Yeah. They eventually were towing us through the mud. And and we realized that they'd obvi we'd obviously hit a, a rock when they were towing us, yeah. and it just the bent the, 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 the control arm. Uh -huh. And then we we said, listen, leave us here at the village of Turby, and we spent uh, I think two days there rebuilding the front of the car, and we waited, and we got the car, then put onto a truck, onto the back of a truck. You should see how we loaded onto the truck ramps. No, no, the truck reversed into into a, into a, into a, um, um, a ditch. And then we drove up the ditch and drove into the car. And we said, we've got it onto the truck now. Oh, and the truck is about this. Yeah, yeah. How are we going to get it off into Ethiopia? Oh, find a ditch. Well, or in my island, just on the border. So we hopefully, we, we did find a ditch. Yeah, so that was, that was. Have a look here on page number, on page number 130. 130. I did see this picture. So you see there's a big rope tying uh, the the, the, the roof rack. Yes. And underneath the roof rack is the spare wheel. Because all four legs of the roof rack broke. So that and we the only time we used a spare wheel, it was to hold the roof rack on. <laughs> How about that for... Eh? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell you the pictures, but there it is over there. Yeah. Please suck tea. And I see the back window now that you that you mean it open. Yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, open page 114. One and you see uh, on the on the on the medical tray in the Ooh. middle there, the straight one yeah. is is the correct one. Yeah. Luckily, we had a spare with us, and the other one is the one that was bent, the steering steering rod. Well, it explains why you had massive toe in, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so there was us actually fixing the car in 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 a place called Turby, the Turby. And you see the mud there. Yeah. You see the mud there. That was all the mud that we dug out of the car. It came the, out. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, so eventually we called it the Road of Miracles. We had no right to get any further, but we did. We did. So and oh, by the way, the truck that we had the yes. car on also got stuck. <laughs> it, was a Mitsu, it was a big Mitsubishi truck, and it goes to Ethiopia, and it buys beans and oil, I think, and brings it back into Kenya. So then at about 11 o'clock one night, the, 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 the night that they, they were driving with us, um, it was a young boy driving, and he was hammering this truck hammering it over this mud road. And the middle maniki, let me tell you, do you know how high the middle maniki was? Because it was made by trucks. Yeah. So the human imp had no hope of getting through that. Anyway, so we did about 60 kilometers in the back of this truck. So that's, that's how we cheated. Were now, you we sitting in the human there? No ways, no ways. We were sitting. I'll show you how we were sitting. If you look back on that, I don't know where it was again. Um, yeah. Um, there you go. There's us. That's where we were sitting. What page is that? Here you go. Uh, page number 128. 
We were sitting on those bars. We thought because we paid 5,000 rand for this privilege, we would get to sit in the cabin of the truck. No way we were sitting on the bars of the, of the truck. And there's a, a, a clever guy next to us there. You can see uh, he actually made a little hammock. Yeah, you can see, see as well. Yeah, so there you go. So, so really, this was this was a most uncomfortable ride. And then, and then he stopped behind another eleven, uh, another ten Mitsubishi trucks. He couldn't drive any further because they had come to a river crossing. They realized it was far too treacherous to actually get to get across. There's the car in the back of the truck. Okay, so so then we had to then we had to sleep for the night um, on that uh, at that crossing. There's me sleeping in the back of the in the in the back of the truck. Is that you, T? I've sleeping in the back of the truck on, on, on the bags that they put the beans in. And I'll tell you an interesting story about that. Jeff didn't want to do that. He slept in the, in the, in the, in the Hillman Imp that night, very uncomfortably. I was fully stretched out. You see, I'm dead to the world there, fantastically sleeping, sleeping like a baby. And then um, a couple of weeks later, we met um, Salvatore and his girlfriend. They were on a motorbike trip. They met in... Nairobi first, and then we met him in Ethiopia. He did the same as me, and he slept on these um, bean bags. And he told me later that for three weeks he had to try and get rid of these welts from the beetles that had oh. bitten him. And I realize now why they didn't touch me that night. I was so filthy dirty from having. Remember, we had to fix the car in, the, yeah. in complete mud. Uh, yeah. So the, the, these truck drivers decided not to attempt this river uh, river crossing in the, in the in the in the nighttime because if one of them failed, yeah. they would have they would have been screwed completely. So yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, now, if you have a look at page number, where is it again now? Uh, now there's there's a crossing that they actually had to come through. These eleven trucks, eleven trucks decided not to do it, and uh, for very good reason. And the next morning at about six o'clock, the the first truck tried to make it, and then we were truck number eleven. Remember, so this guy eventually made it across. Look at the look, look at the angle of this truck. How he didn't topple over, and of course they were laden like like anything. So yeah, so that was that was um, us then. And then when we get into... So before we get there, no bandit issues? No, 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 no. Okay. Yeah, in actual fact, this, I'll tell you, the whole trip had nothing but fantastic people. Yeah. We were, we were blessed by, by... We basically called it the road of miracles because we didn't meet any bad people. There was only two bad people, really. You two. Me and Jeff. <laughs> and the interesting thing as well, when you, when you get to places like Tanzania and Sudan and Egypt and... and, and, um, and uh, Kenya, they say, South Africa, isn't that dangerous? Yeah. Aren't you scared down there? Yeah. So we think the quite the opposite up there, but it was it was great. So we get to Ethiopia, and um, we crawl into the border. We drive into the uh, um, Kenyan immigration immigration side. We drive out the other side, and we keep driving. And we were surprised that there was no no control going into no border control going into Ethiopia. We were driving slowly. We didn't drive fast, and we were obviously we had to drive slowly. You got 875 cc, fully laden, yeah. up a hill, and all of a sudden we, we hear a guy shouting at us, and we looked over this way, and there's a soldier charging after us with a gun, not pointing at us, but but pretty close to. And that's the border control. Well, what happened was in Ethiopia, you drive on the opposite side of the road, oh. so we are coming in this way. 
and we're driving up the road. Meanwhile, you're supposed to cross over to this side. So literally driving on the other side. And the so we had driven on the on the ex exit of way. Ethiopia. Yeah. Exit of Ethiopia. Uh, which I don't know. We're on the. Yeah. Anyway, so the, basically that was a, that was a bit of an interesting one, and um, we met um, a German guy and his son. They were trying to get into Ethiopia, but because they hadn't done the visa in their country of origin, they were sent back oh. there and then. So that was another um, um, realization that this could fail any time. This trip could have failed any time on the smallest, smallest detail. Yeah, and we were given very good advice uh, before we left South Africa. You have to get your Ethiopia visa before you leave South Africa. And Jeff and I actually did it ourselves personally in Pretoria because of the fact that we had... There's a lot of line. You couldn't afford to not get Well, that. yeah, but we were getting an agent to do it all for us, but he okay. screwed up and he was doing such a bad job for us. We eventually took the, the passports back from him and said, let's go to the embassy ourselves. And we did it. Anyway, so we get to, to Moyali and we went into a place, a, a thing a, like a, 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 a business that actually sells food. Yeah. And they were selling coffee. And, and they had seats for us to sit on. You know, it was heaven. It was the, you can't understand yeah. the, the, the feeling of being on a road that you could actually start driving on again. It's a tall road. You're sleeping oh, on beans, oh. you're sleeping on the floor, sopping wet and... No hope, no hope of getting through. I mean, like at, at one stage we were being pulled through the mud in Kenya uh, by by this uh, um, uh, four by four, um, and then and then he came to, to he came to a hill like this, and, and I said, "Oh, there's no way he can get up this hill, and if he does, um, obviously he'll he, he'll he'll damage our car and stuff like that." So, and and I was just about to get out of the passenger side because I wasn't driving. You think I can drive? No, Jeff was a clever driver. He, I let him do all the difficult driving. I'm just uh, getting out of my car, and the imp starts going forward because he starts driving up this mud hill. And I said, oh, my God, there's no hope in hell we're going to make it. He made it. And then the biggest problem with that was once he got to the top of it, I realized there was no way he couldn't go any further. We had to come back down again oh. because in front of him was a massive lake. Oh. And you know about 4 by 4 driving, you walk through the water first, and I realized, and of course, what are we going to do? We can't go back because, uh, you know, obviously, number one, we haven't gotten a verse. Number two, it would be hell to go back down that hill that we should never have been able to make up in the first place. Look, I think it was like, you know, elephants, when they cross rivers, and, and, and the mother, a mother elephant goes up the, the mud bank on the other side, and the baby hangs onto her tail. Yeah. That was what it was like. The, the cruiser was going up like this, and the helmet it was dangling on the back. I don't think our wheels even touched. The angle was so acute. Then we get to the top of this, like I said, and there's a lake in front. Oh, what the hell was that? Don't get out, Terrence, because this guy is going. He went straight through that lake. And we had all our dollars, because of the advice, under the carpet of our car, oh. all of them soaking wet. Oh, wow. You believe me? You believe me that, that we were actually towed through a lake like that? Have you got a photo of it? Of course, I've got a photo of it. And if you believe me, uh, page number one hundred and thirteen. Have a look behind the camera. There's a picture of my car being towed through that lake. Oh, is this you being towed? I looked yeah. at this and I was like, I, would, I wasn't driving. Uh, 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 it looks impressive. Jeez. It looks impressive, but I wasn't driving. And lake I think Turby. Turby, yeah. And have a look at the previous page, uh, 111. You see the mud and the water on the on the floor mat. And your money's under there. My money's under there, yeah. 
and our wallets were hidden under the seats and, and our cell phones were packed away somewhere. You, I, 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 we, we couldn't even find them afterwards. We, had, we were using the Blackberries then yeah. for the BBM. Yes. Even the BBMs at the time. So we went into this place in Mayali eventually, like I said. They, was, they were actually, they actually, they actually cooked food in this place and they and they sold food to us. Yeah, and they sold coffee. We were eating until we couldn't eat another gram. We were, ah, it was such an absolute occasion. It was the most memorable meal that we had on the entire trip. It was, yeah. it was such a relief. There was another, there was another moment of unbelievable relief. We'll get to it later as well. But yeah, definitely that was, that was a fantastic uh, thing. And we realized now we're on highway. We'll be able to just fly along here at about 70 kilometers maximum speed. No, we got to 90 kilometers an hour in that. <laughs> well, listen, 90 is going to feel a lot faster than doing 150 meters in a day. To hell with good roads. The roads were almost as bad in, in Ethiopia for about 100 kilometers. And after that, the roads were good. After that, the roads were fine. Yeah. So we get to Awasa and uh, in the pouring rain again. Um, oh, yeah, I remember... A, a particular stretch of road in in Ethiopia, where we had to um, we had to s squeeze our legs together and cross our legs because we were bursting to go to the toilet. And at the time, I had I had a problem with my prostate, okay. and uh, you know you have to you have to wee like every five minutes, yeah. and if you don't, you have endless problems. And eventually, we get to a, a place, and we we couldn't stop. Because we were in heavy traffic and there was no place to stop on the side of the road. Okay, we were stopping to pee on the side of the road. Eventually, it must have taken us hours to get to this place and we got to a petrol station. And of course, the toilets there are just a hole in the ground. Yeah. And I got to this place and I, I'm, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing to have a, a, a bit of relief. And of course, nothing happens. You know, when you, oh, it was painful. So eventually, I got a little bit of uh, movement and stuff like that. And then eventually, we had to fill up with fuel and then stop another five minutes later to do the same thing again eventually get the system to work yeah but it was it was hectic yeah no no but it was it was the it was the bladder was it was my problem it was the bladder the food travel anyway so we get to we get to Addis Ababa and we then realized that now we're in a big center we'll be able to get this legs of the of the roof rack welded back on again course no power for three days nobody can do welding yeah. so this guy eventually said no take go to that friend of mine he can help you he, he can do brazing okay. so he brazed those legs on and they're still rock solid today, today. <laughs> still rock solid today so we put put the spare wheel back where we didn't need it again on the roof rack <laughs> instead of the spare wheel carrying the roof rack now we had the roof rack carrying, carrying the spare wheel again yeah, so that was Addis Ababa, and then we looked at the um, Garmin, and it says Addis Ababa to Bahir Dar is, it was like about eight hours or something. How many Ks? But no, it was it was a mistake, because it was no, it was like only about 250 Ks or something like that. Yeah. So we realized, obviously, the Garmin had lost its marbles. Yeah. And then as we realized why there's such fantastic runners in the world from Ethiopia it was because of the hills. Is it? So eight hours was not right. It was ten hours. Jeez. Just the elevation yeah. that high that you're doing five Ks an hour. Was it on the around mountain? Uh, absolutely. And eventually you get to the um um you get to the um drift uh, 
some drift, um, not Martin's drift. Uh, the the the, the, blue, the blue Nile uh, is in the what do, you, what do you call that drift again? I don't know. Uh, I'll tell you now. Um, I haven't driven to Ethiopia. Mm, you should remember from your from your. But from sure, your you must be quite high up as well. Yeah, it was. You, you go from three kilometers elevation to one kilometer elevation in the space of seven kilometers. Jeez, like. Yeah. It's two to four, what, uh, two to five, forty percent. Whatever. Yeah, you you you've worked out a percentage, but really it's it's um. Yeah, it but was I mean, hectic. also you're starving the engine up there as well. So your your what forty nine yeah. horsepower became probably even thirty horsepower. Probably even less. Yeah. I'm looking for the name of this drift. Anyway, so we had to we had to basically then. Um, there's a picture of the guy actually doing the, the repair of the of the roof. Uh, I saw that picture. Okay. I wonder uh, what that uh, was. It looks uh, like TV area. So yeah, so we get to um, this uh, the Blue Nile, uh, valley, the valley of the Blue Nile, and we had to go seven kilometers down. And I stopped Jeff halfway down. I said, "Listen, Jeff, stop. Let's let the brakes cool off again because you'll you'll overheat the." The brake fluid, and then obviously you lose brakes. So it's not less quicker. <laughs> yeah, you would. Yeah. We get down to the bottom, and then we started driving up the other side. I'm driving, and you get to about you get to about 10, 12 kilometers an hour, and then change gears, and it dies again. Yeah. So we realized that we actually, and of course the heat, the uh, the engine started overheating. So we realized um, we we're going to damage something. Mm. We tried it for probably about 500 meters, and then I realized no. I flagged down a truck, and he was going at about two kilometers an hour, and we hooked onto the back of it with his permission, gave him some money, and I think it took us about an hour to get up three kilometers. It was it was that slow. It was, a, a, and of course we managed to get up to the top. We get into uh, Wadi Wad Madeni um, in Sudan okay. at about midnight. Sure. We had to get up at five o'clock the next morning to head into Khartoum. And then um, Jeff had been complaining um, uh, on the way to Wad Madani that the gears were a little bit difficult to get. And I thought, he's just getting tired of the journey now. And uh, the next morning, he, I drove from Wad Madani into Khartoum and also could battle to find gears. No, it wasn't that. It was actually then um, we pulled into a petrol station at about 7 o'clock in the morning and um, even earlier, I think we were kicked out at seven o'clock when they opened up. And so we were on the forecourt and we had taken out the slave cylinder of the, the clutch slave cylinder yeah. um, to see if there was maybe a problem with that. And uh, we un undid it and put it back together. It was all fine. Yeah. And then topped it up with more um, brake fluid. And then we carried, I said, we're going to, and then we were kicked out of the petrol station. We put it back together quickly. Then get onto the main road again, and I said, "Listen, let's just try and drive. I'll try and drive, crashing the gears because I had no clutch. Oh, um, put into first gear, crank, crank the engine. Luckily, sink it started, yeah, and then um, sink shift all the way. Yeah. We get every time you come to a roadblock, they stop this foreign car. Oh, and of course, I said to them, please. Anyway, and tr you're trying to gauge the traffic to try and gauge so you don't have to change gears as much. Yeah. So I managed to do it." And then we eventually get into into the campsite in Khartoum, Khartoum on the banks of the of the Nile. Wow! And um, Jeff said, "That's where we'll do it." And I said, "I'm at my wit's end now." I said, "Do what?" He said, "We'll we'll take the engine out over there and see what the problem is." 
And he was referring to a massive tree that had shade because it was 46 degrees temperature. Hang on, and this is April? Yeah, in Sudan, remember? Okay, I suppose you've crossed the, the, Desert, the yeah. equator now, yeah. Uh, yeah. So eventually, um, we we pulled in there and we pulled the engine. Uh, for, uh, call, I called my, my friend Roger Pierce. I said, listen, we've got a problem um, with, with the we, a, WhatsApp, a cinema WhatsApp, a BBM. Yeah. Uh, and I said, we've got a problem with the clutch. Um, uh, we got a problem with it. Oh, no. I think we pulled the engine out first. And then I said to him, our problem is as follows. The pressure plate collapsed. Oh. The pressure plate had just completely collapsed. And he didn't say to me, well, that's tough. He didn't say to me, I haven't got any human in parts. He didn't say anything. What he said to me was, where do I send the parts to? That's that was the friend that I had. Really, the, uh, an amazing so determined to, to let you guys get yeah. to London, so they had to push as much. He's a guy who'd been up five times himself. Oh, really? He'd driven to England five times. He he was the support crew for a guy and his wife who drove a Rolls Royce to England. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He drove oh. he drove an MGBGT from Kyle Army to Silverstone. He met Jackie Stewart in Silverstone. No with ways. that uh, Yeah, uh, with that uh, MGBT with the, with the South African flag painted on the okay. car. The flag car, they call What's it. What's his name, Roger? Roger Pierce. Okay. Anyway, so yeah. he said to me, uh, so eventually we pulled it out, and guess what I had packed in the car spare, before I left? Spare clutch. Guess who put it in? Who? Brendan. Ooh, clever boy. 16 years old. Yeah. So, Dad, take this just in case. And we packed the car. Anyway, so we pulled it out, and we put this clutch, um, uh, clutch and pressure plate back in, and uh, then it took us the whole day. And then six o'clock in the evening, Jeff drove it around the campsite. He says, it feels fine. So then he went and had a shower. And then I went and had a shower after him. And then he's now putting up the tent and starting to make dinner. And then I go and have the shower. And it's one of these showers that you turn on the water full blast. And then you wait for the first drip. And then you try and make sure you get under it. And then the next one's coming over here. It was like such a poor Sudan. I mean, like they hardly have any water. They it's got like a hole in the anyway, plastic bag. Yeah. So yeah. So eventually, um, I had my shower and get back to to the campsite or to the place where Jeff was starting to make dinner. He says, oh, "I've got a problem, Terence." I said, "What is that?" I forgot to put salt in the stew. He said, "Did you tighten the bolts on the pressure plate?" I said, "Oh no, I didn't." He said, "Neither did I." So guess what we did instead of making dinner? Took the engine out. Second time. Oh. Under the under the camp light, under the the the, the, the street light in the yeah. campsite. So then, now the, you must know we've now driven from South Africa. We are tired. Yeah. We are dirty. We are we are, we are running out of money. And eventually, um, this guy comes comes up to us on our second engine replacement. And he says, "Where are you guys from? What are you guys doing? This is crazy. Is there anything I can do to help? I'm not a mechanic." And I said to him, no, oh yes, I said, we need, we need money, where can, we, where can we find an ATM? He said, an ATM? He says, do you have a bank account with Sudan, in a Sudan bank account? I said, no, no, we're using Visa. He said, but Visa doesn't work in, in Sudan. I said, oh gosh. I said, well, what we'll do is we'll, I'll, I'll use Jeff's, um, we'll use Jeff's MasterCard and then I'll refund him. Yeah. He said, but MasterCard doesn't work. MasterCard doesn't work here either. Just Ever since the sanctions from the US, American Express, Dynas, he said, we're outside of the banking system of the world. Oh my gosh. So I, think you, I think you've got a problem, he said. Yeah. 
I said, oh no. He said, look, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to see my friends over here and some of them work in the banking. He, he, I said, no, it doesn't matter. I'll just go to the bank in the morning. He said, no, you still can't get money out of the bank. Where are you going to get it from? He said, we're not linked to your bank. Yeah. He said, let me speak to them. Maybe there's something we can do. They can, they can, they can advise you. So then about an hour later, now I'm still covered in oil and under the car and covered in sand. And eventually, this guy didn't come back to me. Another guy came to me. He says, my friend wants to, oh, he already learned how much we had. He said, how much have you got? I said, we got about 120 US. He said, how much do you need? I said, well, we need at least 400. He said, um, and then his friend came to me. Yeah. He said, my friend over there said, you should go and see him. He wants to talk to you about money. So now I realized uh, this is not smelling good. Something yeah, funny. Yeah. T, I'm going to hold you there. Let me finish just one okay. second. So eventually I said, walked over to this guy and I said, yes. He said, listen, I've spoken to my friends here with regard to the money. There's no way you can get money. He said, how much did you say you still needed? I said, about another 300. He says, well, here you are. Take this as a gift from the people of Sudan. Three $100 bills, not $10 bills, three $100 bills. Three Benjis. Exactly. For Without that, and I said, what can I do for you? He said, just pray for us. Wow. Road of Miracles. You know, you know why we called it the Road of Miracles. No. Without that, we would still be in Sudan. How about that? Jeez, Lacti. I get emotional when I tell that story. Yeah. Today, I've actually managed to control my... Yeah, but that also shows chapel. you. It's, it's Good people. Yeah, there's ethics Good out people. There. And again, it's Africa. A lot of people have this bad perception. I love traveling into Africa. Like I say, every time I go, you experience something different. When we're at Shisenyama, we've eaten goats <laughs> next to a police station on a spit. And we've really had a... Yeah. You can tell stories. Yeah. Oh, we've got, I've got plenty. But I'm going to leave it here for now. Is your family here? We're going to have a quick Very break. Beautiful. Eat the lighty. Yo. Yo. We'll come back and we'll, we'll, we'll start off from Sudan again. Okay. <laughs> I love Let's it. Let's go grab a coffee. <laughs> Okay, guys, welcome back. So, where we finished off was uh, Terence stuck in Sudan and um, made three three Benjis from some guys. Um, and the reason why you called it the, what? The Miracle Trip. The Road of Miracles. The Road of yeah. Miracles. Yeah, My yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. So, what happened thereafter? So, you guys got the 300 bucks or 300 um, Benjis? Yeah, and then um, we were, then we finished obviously putting the, the engine back in uh, for the second time in the same day. And uh, we slept well that night. Because the next morning we had to go to another office on the other side of Khartoum to get a special travel permit. You're not allowed to travel in in Sudan unless you got a permit, permission to do so. Okay. And uh, we realized that we didn't have time to do this. What, a permit just to drive through the country? Yes. Like a holiday visa type thing? I don't know, but they said you're not allowed to. And they said if you get caught, at, stopped at a roadblock, they will lock you up. But guess what? We didn't have time. We didn't have reverse. We didn't have money. Well, we just had a little bit now. So eventually, then we said, no, we'll, we're going to have to take a chance. So we had contacted the people at Wadi Halfa. Wadi Halfa is a little village in the Sahara Desert on the edge of the Lake Nasser. Lake Nasser is a big lake that wasn't there a couple of years ago. Once they put the Aswan Dam in the middle of the Nile River, it built up a big lake on the other side of it, and it's called Lake Nasser. Okay, so that is basically where Sudan uh, ends and Egypt will begin. So I had to then get to this place called Wadi Halfa, contacted um, uh, Mahir in Wadi Halfa to tell him that we are on our way. Would he help us with the 
paperwork to get through the border. Okay. And that was organized, obviously, with my friend Roger Pierce in advance and stuff like that. So we, he said, yes, fine. When you get to Wadi Halfa, let me know and just keep in comments with me while you're on the road. So we said, we're going to try and take a chance to drive without the permit. And he said to us, he said, that is a really bad idea. Is this what Roger said? No, no, this is the guy in the guy in, that you contacted. Alpha. Okay. He said, really bad idea. I advise you don't do it. I said, listen, we have to get onto the ferry. The ferry's leaving tomorrow. Mm. If we don't knock it onto the ferry, then it's another four days late. Oh, so we had to get onto it. So eventually, um, we, we decided to hell with it. We're going to take a chance. But they said there's two massive roadblocks on the way. You have to actually get through this roadblock, and they will ask for your papers there. And we get to the first roadblock without the paperwork, and I jumped out of the car full of, of, of happiness and, and, and conversation with the, with the police guy, showing him the map of Africa that I had on the bonnet of the car, painted on the bonnet of the car, telling him, try to confuse him with science or, or, or story. Um, and luckily it paid off, the first roadblock. The first roadblock, yeah. And now this road from Khartoum to Wadi Halfa took Roger Pierce four days with the Rolls Royce and his backup Bucky to get through because it was just a sand road. Now it's an absolute beautiful billiard table highway. And it took us one day in the Hillman Empire. The second roadblock, we were just waved through. Miracle road again. Again, it's the road of miracles. How could it not be? Who, how could me, my sister's a nun, you know that. And, and she was doing all the praying and we were getting all the blessings. That's the only way we could explain how we got away with murder. So we get to a place, um, Dongola, I think it was, uh, halfway to Wadi Halfa. And we pulled into this village and we asked the, the, the hotel there if we could use um, one of the bedrooms to have a, a shower and wash up and get a meal. And the, the guy, when he heard where we had come from, what we were doing, the guy in the hotel, and we asked how much it's going to cost, he said, it's for free, as a amount of respect for what you guys are doing. Yeah. That's what I said. I was scared going into Sudan, yeah. and we met only the nicest people. So then we get into um, uh, uh, into the Sahara Desert proper on this big road, and now it's in the middle of the night. Um, and we, we, one of the biggest regrets that I have on this trip is the fact that we did not sleep under the, the stars, stars in the desert. Yeah. We wanted to, but we, had, we, we just didn't have time. Time, yeah. So yeah, but we did stop. We did stop uh, on the side of the road. And we looked at the stars. Wes, it was like like you could take your hand and scoop a handful of stars in your hand and hold them like that. They, they, they were that close. It, it was that intense. It, such a pitch, pitch black sky. No light pollution whatsoever. And no clouds either. No clouds, of course, nothing. Jeez. So then we get into into um, um, Wadi Halfa and the little village of Wadi Halfa at, at um, about 2.30 in the morning. And then we, we, Mahir is waiting for us there, and he takes us to his house, and we sit there. Um, he was chatting to us. He was full of stories about Roger Pierce, because Roger, he met Roger, he helped Roger. And now it's about three thirty in the morning, and I'm sitting on the on the edge of the uh, of the table, nodding, falling asleep. <laughs> uh, we were falling asleep as I he was talking, and eventually he realized that he he's now talking to two zombies. He put us to bed, and we were slept for a few hours. And then at 7.30 the next morning, we, we got up. And um, now this village roads are just sand roads. They're just full of sand because it's, it's all a desert. Yeah. Eventually, he gets to um, help us to get the paperwork sorted out for our cars. Took us down to the dock. Now, the car has to go on a barge. 
and we have to go onto a ferry. The two, you cannot take passengers on this barge, and obviously the ferry doesn't take any cars. So he had to have two transports to get us into Egypt. So he then takes me down to the port and he examines the paperwork of the car. And then they said to me, where is your permit? Your driving permit? No, the permit for um, the car that you were given at the border in oh. um, uh, when you arrived in Sudan. I said, I was given no, no letter. They said, you were. And I said, I wasn't. And I, I, I explained to them that there's no way. All I did was give them my, my, my carnet de passage, which is like my car's passport. And I said, there's the stamp on it. Everything's there. And the stamp on it. And they said, well, you were supposed to, you were supposed to get a letter from them. I said, well, I didn't know that. I said, the youngster that did it for me, about seven times he scrumpled up the paper and threw it in the bin and contacted some senior person to help him to finish the paperwork. And I said, that I can assure you, that, that was confusing me. Mm. But I said, maybe there was a mistake made there. I said, but I didn't realize that I had to carry a letter. So then, about what, an hour what, and a half what later. What was the letter? Just a permit saying that the vehicle I don't know what it was. Into... They said, listen, you're going to have to go back to no, uh, no. Wad, Wad Medeni to get that. That's 1,700 kilometers back. Yeah. I said, I can't. So eventually, they were kind enough to allow um, a, a phone call to be made to that border, um, uh, border post. Mm -hmm. And they got the letter that they were supposed to have been done faxed through. And only because of that was I allowed to get down into the port. And then he and myself get into my car. Jeff waited at the at the at the um, uh, village, and we went down to the to the place where the barge was ready waiting for us. The barge was taking stuff from Sudan to Egypt. Guess what it was taking to Egypt? Nothing except my car. No way. There was nothing on that barge except my car. And then to get the car onto the barge, now you are a good driver, you know stuff, and you've done off-road, you've done traffic, track stuff, you'll understand grip and traction and and and, and What and is gradients. the barge made of? Is it like a wooden barge or have you got a photo of it? The barge is on page number 171, 170. Oh, wow. Okay, there's, okay. there's a picture there's of the, the car, car on the barge. Okay, so yeah. So now imagine the barge now is about... Um, a story high. Yeah. It's sit because it's got no weight in it. Yeah. So it's sitting very high. So they said I had to get the car up onto this with two very old ramps. damaged metal ramps with no grip. If you walk across them and they're level, they're fine. Soon. I had to drive up this ramp, up yeah. these up these two uh, ramps to get it onto the onto the uh, body of the sh uh, of the barge with a okay. rear wheel drive car. With a, rear, with a rear wheel drive car with 37, 39 horsepower and it was spent by then. It was already about two liters a day of, of oil that I was burning. So guess what kind of a run up I had? Jeez. I had about, about one and a half car length run up. So it took me about three or four efforts to get it up. And of course, I wasn't giving it full acceleration. Yeah. Because what do you need to get up a hill? Momentum. Com com uh, a combination of traction and momentum. Yeah. I had no traction because it was slippery as hell. So I had to rely on momentum. What happens when you get to the top? What is it? As slow as possible, but as fast as is necessary. <laughs> you ramped. You have to get to the top. Well, what happens when you get onto the top? Have a look at how wide that barge yeah, is. I saw that. I saw Page that. No space for error. There's no space for to stop the car. 170. Page 170. Yeah, there it is. Eh? So there it is. It's literally the only car. Yeah. So you guys weren't allowed on this barge? No, we weren't allowed. So once it was on the, on the barge, then they, they, they actually uh, cast off and they were on their way. That takes 
a lot slower than the bar than the ferry because the ferry is a lot bigger and a lot quicker so that then goes into um, um, Egypt uh, a day and a half later so now we didn't have any tickets to get onto the ferry and the ferry was overbooked for the next two weeks guess what I had on in the car all my computers all my oh. good stuff and we had left ourselves with nothing to play with so if we were stuck in that village for another two weeks we would have been with nothing with nothing no comms of family not from, or we had our cell phones with us okay anyway so we i get back to jeff and then uh and then then the worry the biggest worry of our trip this no, the, the second biggest worry of our trip started there are we going to get onto this ferry or not and this was now about 10 o'clock in the morning the ferry was leaving at five o'clock that evening and we said to um mazir uh, please can you get it he said listen it's overbooked, but I'm going to try and do what I can. And he would go and run away. And then we would then WhatsApp him and say, is there anything happening an hour later or two hours later? And we were becoming so impatient. Now it goes through the full day. And at five o'clock, the ferry is leaving at five o'clock. And at five o'clock, he still hadn't come back. And I'm saying, eventually he came and he walked into the, into the, into the waiting room of the ferry. And he sort of, out the corner of his mouth, he says, follow me very surreptitiously like, yeah. follow me and we said what the hell is going on but we followed him yeah I mean, what else can you do well you needed to get on that ferry and then he walked and we followed him and then um he said i've made a plan for you and then he gave us uh, access to the to the ferry boat but that was still access to very, but now we had to get onto it before it, it cast off. Yeah. And eventually we get onto it. And he tells us how he managed to get it. He said there was two um, bicycle riders from Switzerland. They were supposed to meet him. And they didn't meet him like he said they were supposed to. So the he said, you guys waited for me. They didn't do what they were supposed to. I'm giving you their tickets. Jeez, like. Yeah. Yeah. So we got onto this boat. And then we said, how much? And obviously we we were about a hundred dollars short. We were actually not. It wasn't four hundred dollars. It was extra. We we had had to buy petrol as well. Petrol wasn't expensive in Sudan. But anyway, we get into. Um, he said, "Listen, don't worry about the money that you're short. Pay it to my friend in in uh, Aswan when you get there. He'll help you with the paperwork in Aswan, and then um, he'll give the money to me the next time he sees me." So I said, "Okay, that's fine." So now we're on this ferry, myself and Jeff. That was quite a big relief, and then we... Uh, how, how long on. was the ferry trip? So the car took a day and a half. It was about 18, 18 hours. Okay, so yeah. it was, so it was about uh, uh, No, it was about a day, a okay. day on the ferry. We left a half a day after the uh, barge, so mm. the barge and the ferry would we get... arrive to, at the same time. And he said to me, he said, Terence, the barge must get into Aswan before the ferry. If it doesn't, that's why we were rushing to get it onto the, onto the barge. If it doesn't get in before the barge, he said there'll be a bit, a, at least a four-day delay. Because the bar, the ferry stays for four days and then comes back again. Mm. So that was imperative that the barge gets in first. And that's another very interesting story. Because as we were on the ferry, the next morning we get up and now it's beautiful daylight and warm sun, of course. And then I said to somebody, I said, hey, look, there's a barge. It looks, look, there's my, there's the barge with my car on it far ahead of us in the water as we were getting close to, to Aswan. Yeah. And as I said it, I realized what a what a fool I, I must have sounded like. I mean, how many? What are the chances of seeing another barge yeah. on, the, on the river? But still, 
But now it's... Guess what? Those are the photos that you took. That's exactly the bars that had my car. And as as you can see here, if you look very, very uh, closely, you can see a little speck of white. You can't really see it on this picture, but I could see a little speck of white. And I said, that looks like the back of my car. And as we get closer to it, you see many more photographs as of the car. The sad part of it is, Wesley, if you look at the page, the, the one on the right-hand side of the page, yeah. where is the ferry in relation to the barge? You're passing it. <laughs> We're passing it. Yeah. You see the wake of the, of, the, of the ferry. Yeah. So that means that now the barge is now, and it's slower than the ferry because obviously it left it uh, half a day before. So now the barge has got to finish, has got to get into the quay in front of a, of a boat that's already in front of it. And otherwise you're going to be four days late again. Okay, so I'm going to read from my book a small passage. Go for it. Pertinent to this story. Okay. So the barge then did what barges do. They barge. With no mercy for the front end of the well-weathered vessel, or the quayside for that matter, they slammed the prow into the dock right under the nose of the massive ferry with a shower of quayside cement dust exploding as the barge front walloped the busy loading docks. The ferry started pulling its horn and saying, bah, bah. obviously, the captain was obviously a bit upset with the fact that this barge barged in. Yeah. As the barge pulled to the side, they had my car off, and thank God it started first time, and, and they managed to get it off with no reverse. Yeah, and then they managed to get it off. And then, guess what happened? The next very crazy thing happened. Now you've got the you've got the paperwork of your car on the bar on the on the ferry, and the guy says to you, "I need the paperwork to get it processed because you have to register the car in Egypt with number with Egyptian number plates. You cannot drive with foreign plates." Oh, really? So you've actually yes. registered the car? Yeah, Re register it as a new car or a, a, another car on the road. Yeah. You get the natives done. Okay? So he said, give me, and, and, and they were communicating it with, and, and, and they said, listen, you have to bring the stuff to us. And we couldn't get, because obviously all the people had to get off the ship. So I had to then, I jumped onto the prow of the ferry. So that you could. And I threw it over the key. No. The, the papers of my car. <laughs> and the guy actually took it and ran away. Now, who did I give it to? I hope yeah, it was no the right idea. guy. Yeah. But obviously you have to trust yeah. when you go through Africa. And then eventually, um, uh, then as I did that, then the, the people on the ship thought I was doing something illegal. Mm -hmm. Of course it was illegal. It could have been drugs that I was throwing over. Yeah. And they pulled me and I said, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. And I came jumping back uh, into the, and then oh, getting off that ship was another story. Again, you have to read the story. I have, we haven't got all day to talk about it. So then the car then gets taken into um, uh, the police and they get it re-registered. I have my... Uh, um, Egyptian number plate on the myself and Jeff uh, eventually got off the ship and got to a got to a hotel that night and spent a, hotel, a night in the hotel and the next day we drove through to Luxor Luxor we got uh, across um, uh, into the Red Sea uh, at a place called Hurghada and when we arrived in Hurghada at uh, nine o'clock at night we found another place to stay and uh, they said to us the following morning, when did you get to Hurghada? And we said, no, we got about nine o'clock last night. And they said, how did you come across the desert in, uh, at night? We said, yeah, we obviously had to drive at night. They said, did you switch your headlights off? We said, no, no, they were on all the time. They said, don't you know how dangerous that is? I said, what do you mean dangerous? Dangerous to drive in the dark. Yeah. Yes. They said, no, it's dangerous with the lights on. 
Because once the people see the lights, then they come down off the hills and, and, and they rob you. Jesus. Well, nobody robbed us. Yeah. So we're here. So, yeah. But then, then the, the car started. How long was the drive through the desert? Uh, it took us all day. It took early in the morning until 9 o'clock at night. Okay. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, quite a, a long, lengthy long. drive. Uh, the, Egypt is a huge country. Mm. Yeah. I didn't realize. So then, um, as we were getting into Urgada, of course, at night, we had to stop numerous times because the car was pinging because now it's down to sea level. And the, and, the, and the mixture is wrong and the carb is wrong. We were getting the uh, getting the, the, the distributor, to, uh, winding it forward and backwards, trying to get it to ping a little bit less. Um, and then eventually I contacted uh, Roger Pierce again to say, listen, the car's pinging and contacted John Mayer, another mate. He, he said, no, advance it. And I was doing all the advancing and retarding that we could and was still pinging. And then Roger Pierce sent a message. He says, you didn't put in the cheap petrol, did you? Oh. I said, well, well, it wasn't very dear. Yeah. And he says, um, it was like a rand a litre. A rand a litre. So he said, get rid of it. Put in the expensive stuff immediately. So then we actually contacted a, a petrol station the next day. And we said, have you got the expensive stuff? They said, yes. So we gave the old stuff. We bled it out of the car, gave it to the guy. I said, you can use it to clean parts for your engine repairs or whatever. And we put in the expensive stuff. It was very expensive, um, two rand a litre. <laughs> in 2013, so we were paying probably about, what, 13, 12 rand? 13 litre, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yes. then, so then the next day, so, so that morning, we started off with a nice breakfast, in a, in, a, in a horrible breakfast, actually. But anyway, I remember it. It was so horrible. Anyway, we had it because it was food. Then we drive up uh, towards Cairo on the, on the road next to the Red Sea, and there was a terrible headwind. We couldn't get the car into fourth gear. Oh, no. From the headwind. Because it was just that Yeah, we were put in behind the truck. And as we get into the behind the truck, we put it into fourth gear, keep it going, and then the truck would pull away from us. The wind catches us back down to third gear. <laughs> it was that that difficult. Yeah. And eventually we get to Cairo and um, stayed in a fancy hotel, the Oasis Hotel. Okay. We paid a lot of money, uh, probably 2,000 rand or something like that uh, for, for the room. And we had a shower. The water was, uh, the, the, from the bath, the water was splashing out. Ah! It was, oh, it was so beautiful. We had a lekker dinner. And, and then the next morning, um, um, but getting into that hotel, uh, the traffic was, in, in Cairo, the traffic makes makes Nairobi look like, like a highway, an open highway. Really? Yes. Yeah. It's, that, it's not that bad, it's worse. So then I was driving and I went over a, a level crossing that wasn't level. And that was a problem. I don't know. Uh, we managed to get to the hotel. The next morning, Jeff was driving the car. I remember I said Jeff mostly drove early in the morning because of my nerves. And he couldn't keep the car straight. I said, what's the matter? And then we realized that that uh, swing arm, the, 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 the steering arm that we'd put in in Kenya, obviously the, the bush... Ah, one become uh, oval. No, no, sorry. The, 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 yeah, no, no, sorry. In Ethiopia, we changed it back to the one that was damaged in 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 Kenya because of that bush that was worn. Yeah, okay. And uh, we straightened it with a hammer on the side of the road. You yes. see a picture. Yeah, of I saw the picture. Of that. I think so. I so, it. so that had lasted, but by then it was actually breaking off completely, and it was just about to break off. So then we said we better put the other one back in again, even though it was making the steering wobble. And Jeff said. I'm sure I can make a plan. I called him MacGyver Jeff eventually. Because you know what he did? He took the Coke bottle that we had had and he, he cut the, the, the lid into little triangles with, the, with, his, uh, with his Leatherman. Yeah. And he jammed these into the, 
into the um, uh, to, to base into the sides of the bush that was worn. And can I tell you something? It worked. The same bush is still in the car no today. No way! I swear to God, you can open it and you'll, you'll see. So, so that was another repair on the side of the road in in just outside the hotel in in Cairo. Thank you, Coke. Yes, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> so then we get to um, the Suez Canal, and of course I took photographs of the boats going up to Suez Canal. Then we got to the next. Um, um, a roadblock and the, and, the, and the policeman says did you take a photograph uh, of the Suez Canal we said no he says but I believe you did I've had a report that you did and then I said well is it illegal he said yes the signs all over the place you cannot do that and I said oh I'm so sorry and then I said look sir I will delete I will delete the photograph yeah. he says okay do it in front of me and I deleted it but I was in such a panic I deleted all my photographs no this is all on your Blackberry no, on my, on my, camera. On my camera. I had, okay. I had a, an Olympus uh, special camera that was given to me for the trip. Guess what? Uh-uh. Thank you very much. The only photograph I lost was the one on the Suez Canal. Because oh. all the other ones we had downloaded in the fancy oh. hotel the night before. Thank you, God. Jeez, lucky. <laughs> and those lucky. are the photos we seen in the book. Yes, yeah. A lot okay. of them, yeah. Then, about 10 kilometers later, another roadblock. And this guy pulled us over to the side of the road. A young guy, also in a, in a, in a white naval uniform police guy, sorry, or a naval guy. And then um, pulled over, and I said, "Yo, yo, yo! I, I uh, interview you, me. I interview." Uh, and what had happened was, he want he heard, he saw this car, and he wanted to know the whole story oh, behind it. Wow! Exactly the opposite to the other guy. Yeah, exactly. He was enthusiastic about he you guys was, being. He pulled us off to the right. He wanted it, and he gave us some of his food. And he said, "Try some of this food. This is wow. typical Egyptian food." Man, like even now I'm getting goosebumps remembering the story. It was so beautiful. And this is just before you crossed the border? No, no, this is now um, between Cairo and, and Port, uh, Port Said. Port Said is the place that you go to to try and get another ferry okay. over to Europe. Okay, so that's what so I'm saying. So you we were get, just before the... Yeah, yeah the, it was about, uh, let's say, 50 kilometers, okay. 100 kilometers. Anyway, so now we get into, into Port Said. We... We then meet the guy that's supposed to be helping us with the paperwork for our car to not to deregister it. You have to deregister it from the road. Then you have to get it onto the onto the ferry, and the ferry comes in from Turkey because it uh, um, it takes a couple of days and it wasn't at port. It was still coming in for a couple of days later. So the guy that was supposed to meet us didn't meet us. He said he sent a message. He said, "Listen, I can't make it." He said, "I'm sending my brother." So he sent his brother. Now I gave the papers of my car again to this brother who arrived on a scooter. You have no Didn't idea if this is even the right person? No or? idea. Give him the papers of my car, and he goes off with it. What happens if he had had an accident and he was knocked off his motorbike? Nobody would know anything about this guy. Yeah. For four days, that was the second, that was the most worrisome time, when the papers of our car were out of our control, and we had to sit for four days in a hotel waiting for this guy, and he ignored us every time, and eventually he came back, and he gave the papers to... The guys who were driving the Beetle around the world, they got their papers. They were on the on the uh, ferry. Um, uh, they were they were allowed to get into the ferry. And now we're sitting there for another day and a half or two days. I can't remember. It was the most worrisome time. So remember, I said to you earlier, um, I really th- there was another moment of great relief, and I'll show you the picture of that. That was the moment, the next moment of great. Uh, t- page number uh, one hundred ninety-three. There's a picture of Jeff and myself standing together with a nice big smile on my face on the ferry 
not on the ferry in Egypt, but as the ferry drifted away from the quay in Egypt, then I knew there was no way it could stop us. Jeez. And we had agreed... That and that's Herbie. Yeah, it's, 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 the, one that, you it's, the, it's the one that has done uh, 180,000 kilometers around the world pulling a caravan. Jeez, like, yeah. okay. And that, those are, that's the Beatles that you were saying that got their papers and... Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. We became big friends with them. I'm still in touch with them. Anyway, so... Wow. So we then get onto this ferry. It's another 18 hour, 18 hours trip to um, a place called Iskenderun, which is just on the border of Turkey and Syria. They just take you north enough to get in to avoid Syria because Syria was at war. And then we realized at that stage that by then we were already too late for our event. We would have had to drive day and night. So we, while the, sh the car was on the ship, we packed a whole pile of stuff extra on the roof so that the that the passenger, Jeff or myself, would be able to lean the seat back a little bit and catch some sleep. So when we got to Eskenderun in Turkey, two o'clock in the morning, I think we arrived, we drove from there to Coventry nonstop four and a half thousand kilometers in a Hillman Imp. Four and a half thousand kilometers. And, and, and literally one person drives, one person sleeps, one yeah. person drives, yeah. one person sleeps. Yeah. Yeah. How long did that take? Uh, a couple of days, I think four days. Three, three or four days. That's good timing. thousand yeah, k's a day. Yeah, yeah. And we still had to uh, change the donut, the, the, the drive donut and one of the wheels um, in, in, in uh, Romania. And also, when we got to Serbia, we, w we were told by the travel agent. Remember I said earlier the travel agent in Pretoria would give us very bad service. He said we can get a, a visa for on Serbia entry. on entry. Oh, no. And I was, I, when I got to Turkey, I started to switch over to my Irish passport, which yeah. then allowed me full access to all these countries. Mm -hmm. And then Jeff was on the South African passport. He had a Schengen visa, but then they said to him in Serbia, Niet, you're not allowed in. We said, but we were told we can get the visa at the border. And it was probably a good thing. Um, again, road, road of Miracles, how did yeah. we get away with it? If we'd got into Serbia, and then the next one is what, Herzegovina? No, I don't then know. they would have probably chased us all the way back there oh, again. I suppose. So, so luckily from there we came back to Sofia and then um, Jeff told me later that that was the lowest point on the trip for him. He wanted to say to me, listen here Terence, thank you very much. Leave me here, you can drive. You go right ahead, I'm going to the airport, I'm going back to South Africa. Sure, and then, so and close. Then, yeah, and then eventually we, we sat and drank coffee at a, at a Shell station, um, probably filled up with fuel as well. And then this youngster came up and chatted to us with very good English. And he was saying, well, what are you doing? Where are you coming from? Fantastic story. Oh, why don't you go across to Romania? And from Romania, you can go to Hungary. Hungary. And we said, but that isn't Romania even more backward than, 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 than Serbia? Yeah. And it's more Iron Curtain. Yeah. And he said, no, they're part of the EU. We said, what? So because it was EU, Jeff's passport would have worked. Yeah. So then we get down there and then... As we get down to the um, quay, there's the barge just leaving, crossing the Danube to get over to, so we missed it. Oh, so man. So this is now about midnight after driving all the way through the mountains in Romania, yeah. I mean in, 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 uh, in Bulgaria. So we actually slept on the quay. So <laughs> when the, the next barge came in, we could jump on it. And if we hadn't done that, we would have missed that as well. So we get across and then uh, we met up with a guy in Vienna through my contact in Cape Town. Um, uh, because we needed another rubber donut in case another one, uh, because the one on the left hand side was also starting to fail. So we said we better take a spare one. So we met this guy from the Imp Club in Vienna and he gave us two uh, second hand ones to take with us. And then from there, but that 
we only stopped to fuel, to eat, and in Germany we stopped to have a shower. Interesting story as well. We, we, uh, we have these places on the side of the highway with restaurants and places where you can shower for these truckers and stuff like yeah. that. And as this guy came out of the one shower, and then I just went in like that, and I'm showering. They said, hey, 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 you haven't paid. You haven't paid. You see, and Jeff had paid. We had paid, you know, to get in. It was a complicated. And then and Jeff was having his shower, but you're supposed to pay like for every cubicle that you use and every drop of liter of water. I said, I'm sorry. And they wouldn't give us our keys back. Because they had the to give the key to the car to get in. Until we paid for the second one. Yeah. But anyway, and that was great. And I met my sister-in-law in, in Worms in Germany. And another car petrol head friend of mine who lives there and comes to South Africa often. Met him there with his Jaguar E-Type. Uh, E-Type uh, e e Jag. Yeah. So his E-Type Jag and my Impa parked together in Germany in the book. You can see a picture in the book. Uh -huh. And then we get to, um, yeah, we get to, uh, we get to, uh, we drove through um, Austria, Germany, um, Belgium, Holland, and France, uh, Holland, Belgium, and France in like one flash. And then we get into the, we decided to cross the English Channel on the ferry, not on the channel, yeah. because the channel, you're on the train for half an hour to get through. On the, on, the, on the ferry, you're an hour and a half. So I said, that's great. We can get a, we get a bit of sleep. A bit of shut so up we before you And then when the guy on the, on the ship heard that who, who, where we were from and all the rest of it, he said, listen, come with me. I'll help you guys uh, to have a bit of a rest. And he took us into a private lounge that was obviously closed for the normal term. And we slept there like dead men. And then we woke, he woke us up as well when we, got, when we got to England. And we get into Dover. Jeff drove from Dover to London. And then this is another very, very emotional time, uh, even thinking about it now. Um, I'm sound asleep in the passenger seat. Jeff had arrived in London, and then he stopped on the side of the road. He got out, came over to the passenger side, opened the door of the car, and he says, get out. We've done it. I said, oh, no. Oh, no. What have we done? Have we done the gearbox this time? Have we done the crash? What, what have we done? And he gave me a massive bear hug. He said, we've done it. Very Didn't nice. you say Jolon, Johannesburg, London? He said, well, there, there's London. We've arrived. And he says, and by the way, he says, now it's my turn to sleep. You're driving. Go. Yeah. So then I had to get into the driver's seat and drive up from there up to Coventry. It was about 2, two, two o'clock in the morning, 2.30 in the morning. And then we had to get up to Coventry a couple of hours. And then I get into the driver's seat. Now I'm, we're, we're both at the end of energy. How can you imagine? It's like we a, were beyond the end of it. It's like your body's just understood what's happened and the energy levels drop. And Now we're, we're that close to achieving it. Yes. So now we get on the road and of course I open the window 5.30 in the uh, well, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, sticking my head out the window to try and stay awake. Yeah. And I realized it's not having the desired effect. I have to stop and sleep. But I couldn't. I couldn't stop. The people were waiting for us at this service station on, uh, they give us the, the, the off-ramp to take, and they said, we will be waiting for you there, or wait for us there if you're not there. So then, um, um, I had uh, cut my elbow a little bit in, in uh, on the inside of my elbow, I cut myself in Egypt, and I realized, hey, I've got a secret weapon here. I started pinching this. <laughs> to keep yourself Wesley, awake. I started pinching this. Every time I felt like I'm just now, I can't handle it anymore. And I was doing, I was playing games with myself to try and 
measure how many kilometers I've done, how many meters I've done, you know, on the poles on the, on yeah. the side of the highways give you meters and trying to count, see if I can count to an, uh, an even number like four, next one is five, and the next one is every hundred meters or whatever, yeah. or miles or whatever, and then pinching this just to keep myself awake. And then we put into this petrol station, and then at the place we were supposed to meet these people, there was nobody there. No. I, no, but yeah, they said they call. I think we had to call them when we got there. I can't remember the details. And then I actually then just switched off the engine. Jeff was still sleeping. And now I can even, now I can hear the birds chirping. 5.30 in the morning. I can hear, remember the birds chirping and the, and the, and the sun just starting to rise. What it day was, was that? That was the 6th of May, the last day of the, of the gathering. And then two Hillman imps arrived and then I knew we were in the right place. And they, uh, I said to them, you, when you meet us, you better feed us coffee, but big time. And they gave us coffee and <gasps> coffee. He was a coffee holic, Jeff and myself, both coffee. And then they said, okay, we're going to lead you and should just follow us and then we'll show you the way. And then we get around a corner. As we get around to a corner, just around the corner from there, there's a convoy of about 34 Hillman imps waiting Jeez, for us to lead. to go, yeah. For, for you to lead? I mean, possible. Wow. And how far was it from there to? Probably about uh, 20 miles, maybe 10 miles, I don't remember. But then the, the first car on that convoy led us, and then we were leading the rest of the convoy. That was a police car. Hillman. A Hillman in police car. No from, the police, from the police force. Yeah. It was restored, and, and it still had the lights and the siren, the whole, the whole Gishmalt. And that now led us all the way. And then just as we got onto the onto the rugby field, that pulled aside. <laughs> My God. Jesus, Terence. So after everything, after this whole trip, after every up and down, you firstly you made it on time. Yeah. <laughs> and then the guys let you lead it from yeah, there. And that yeah. must have felt like forever, that oh, last twenty amazing. miles. Yeah. I mean your emotions must have been all yeah. over the place. Yeah. It was it, it, even now as you can see I'm, yeah. I'm a mess. Just thinking, well, that's how, how emotional it was. It was yeah, fantastic. But the challenges, like, yeah. mm. I mean, the first time you told me that you drove across Africa, like, <laughs> I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, mm. we've spoken about this a few mm. times before, but you've never mm. told me in this much detail. And I said to you earlier mm. on, I don't want to finish the book because I wanted to hear it first <laughs> so that, you know, it's not yeah, something I expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I know there's a continuation as well. I remember you mentioned to me. Mm. Um, did they want you to send your car back for display? Or what yeah, no, but what happened then was I, I said to the guys, I said, obviously, well, first of all, while I was still in Egypt, I, I sent a message to my friend in Cape Town, Roy, the M Club guy there. I said, please, could you find out from the guys in England if they would be interested in buying my car when I get to England because I haven't got money to get back. We'll have to buy it. So then he said, listen, have you got a PayPal account? And then through that, the guys in the M Club and my family members and guys from the race club in New South Africa all put money in the account, so we were able to finish the trip yeah. and buy tickets to get back to South Africa. Jeez. Then, but then while I was the in England, I, I had I had always planned to leave the car. Oh, okay. I said right. I'm going to leave the car with the M Club so that they can give it to the youngsters and take it to club meetings and take it onto off-road events and trash it and do whatever they want. We really wanted them to have fun with it. And then uh, they said to me, "Why don't you enter the car into a competition?" There's a competition every year um, for, to find the best classic car of the year in England. So I said, okay, well, I put, you know, writing stories for me is cool. I, yeah. and, 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 you know, I, one of the things about me is I, I never let detail get in the way of a good story. So I was able to write a few words quite easily about the trip. And then um, 
A couple of weeks later then, I was contacted uh, by uh, people from running the event, and they said, listen, where is your car? I said, it's somewhere in England with the chairman of the club. I don't know where, but why? They said, well, it's got into the top 30. And uh, obviously, we'd like the, the, the top 30 then have got a chance to go into the top five. Did but you wash the car by this point? Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, okay. we had. And, we had and, and the chairman had fixed reverse gear. Okay. It took him a half an hour. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, um, yeah, after I left, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, um, uh, then uh, they said, for the cars to be considered for the top five, they would have to then be committed to be available to be on display for the classic car show in the uh, National Exhibition Center in Birmingham in November. I said, well, same. let me get back to you um, the same year. So then uh, contacted the chairman. He says, absolutely, we will get it there for you with pleasure. No problem. So then they come, I come back to them. I said, listen, it can be available. It will be available if it gets chosen as the top five. Yeah. So then, guess what? Top five. Got into the top five. Yeah. It got into the top five, and it was on show in the in the National Exhibition Center at the Classic Car of the Year show, and then I got runner-up to a magnificent Mini, a Mini that was restored, and every single nut and bolt on that was chromed and polished and, and made to look like brand new. And that car, by uh, owned by Jason Field, is taken from one car show to another in the back of a closed vehicle. It never sees the rain. Yeah. It never, ever, ever was taken on the roads in England. Doesn't even drive on a dirt road. Never was. <laughs> never. <laughs> so then, when I decided that I'm going to write this book, and I went to England at the imp, uh, um, gathering a couple of years later to launch the book to my members there. Sorry, before we get to that, T, when your car was on display next to the mini, you still had all of your stickers and yes, yeah, yeah. the African map, yeah, and it yeah. was as it was when you as drove it across. Was, yeah. It wasn't yeah. restored. No ways, no exactly. ways, no, no. Yeah. And then eventually, um, so when I uh, wrote my book and I decided to now take um, the car, um, uh, to, to take my book to England and launch the car, um, uh, and launch my book, uh, Jason Field, who won that competition with his mini, asked me if he could, possibly come to that imp gathering and uh, be part of the, uh, he'd like to buy a copy of the book. I said, it would be an absolute pleasure. Come along. And then when he came to that la uh, launch of the book, of course, I signed a copy of my book for him and he, he, he was very happy to have it. And he said, come, let me show you my car. And he then showed me one of his minis that he had um, driven, obviously, to that event. And I said, but that looks just like the one that you had on, uh, that you won the prize with. He says, yes, it is. I said, but you never drive that on the road. You gave me the inspiration to do it. He says, out of respect for your car, he says, I have driven this car for the first time ever on English roads in the rain out of respect for you. He said, because my car got first prize that year, but your car won. He says, people were looking at my car. They were looking at the Jolette next to it. They were looking at the other cars, but they would spend all the time back on your car again. He, he says, your car won. It's got a story, yeah. Yeah. So he and I are still friends. Um, there you go. There's a picture of the car. Page number, page number 100, 233. You can see a picture of the car there with the on the on the on the on the left hand side at the bottom of the page. Uh, there's a picture of the car with the with the story in front of it, um, explaining uh, explaining the uh, the whole trip that I did. And there the it is at Silverstone. There it is at Silverstone. <laughs> and did you did you ever see the story? Did you ever see the picture of of the car at Silverstone? No. Oh, right. Okay. You have showed me this. And before, then yes. and then what I what I've I, I've got that in my Facebook and I write above the the picture of the of the cars. I said there, 
at the Silverstone Paddock, exceptional engineering on display in the Silverstone Paddock, along with a few Italian cars next to it. <laughs> well, essentially, it was a Ferrari day. You yeah, see, the, the four five eight next to it is also rear mounted or mid mounted yeah. rear mounted rear wheel drive yeah, car. Yeah, so it's yeah. the same thing. <laughs> that is there awesome. You there you go. Oh. And then you were saying, I know that there's a follow up after this whole thing happened, and the, the, the car. Where is it now? It's at my home. Okay, so I almost brought it today. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll bring it for you to drive one of these days. I, okay, I have driven one of your humans to yeah, not this yeah, one. Yeah. Um, but how did you get it back? I brought it back by ship, and then I collected it from uh, the ferry in Port Elizabeth, and we drove it from there. We were on our way to Cape Town to do presentations of the trip, myself and Jeff, in Cape Town. And 100 kilometers outside, it blew a hole in the piston number four uh, at uh, Cape St. Francis. And that's where we met Marcel and um, 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 a couple of the guys. Uh, Philly was there oh, yes. with, the, with the VW crew oh, that were on, yes. the, on their trip from, from Cape Town to PE P-E-R, to do advanced driving. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so, we then had to put on a trailer from there, brought it back to Johannesburg. And I've put the same engine back in, but with new pistons. And I've rebuilt the engine. I've rebuilt the body. Uh, the, the back, the rear, um, the right rear wheel was held on by a thin piece of metal on the rear um, cross member. I'll show it to you one day. It was actually falling apart by the time I got it back from England. So I had to replace the whole rear cross member as well. But yeah, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, the picture, page number 230. That's a particularly emotional time for me. As you know, I'm an emotional sort of a fellow. That is a picture of my Hillman Imp that I drove from 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 uh, South Africa to to England, and then that is to my home in Ireland. And I was born at my home. I wasn't born in a hospital. I was delivered at my home. So by, mid, my by kids, a midwife. Yeah. Exactly the same as my kids. Is that yeah. so? Yeah, they're both born downstairs. Brilliant. Yeah, so many I was born at this to... home. Uh, remember, my mum had a bit more practice than, yeah. than your wife. <laughs> she had a rugby team. She had 17 kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so this, yeah. this was your home where you were born. Yeah, and then if you look at the inset picture, that is a picture of me holding a couple of chess trophies, sitting on the sundial. And, and in the background yeah. is a Hillman imp that my brother owned. Kieran, he owned that Hillman imp. And that's where my love of Hillman Imps started. Wow. So when I stopped my car at that gate of my house. Brought back all those memories. It brought a lot of floods. You should have replicated this photo with this car in the background. You should have sat on the same bench with your car in the background. Oh, I should have, yeah. The bench is no longer there. The bench, that little uh, sundial is probably no longer there. Yeah, I could have done that. I'll do it again. (laughs) So, yeah. There's a, a further follow-on. That's police car. Yes, the one that led the car. Yeah, his his name is Richard. Um, Richard and Joanne Gillespie live in Northern Ireland. He runs the Irish uh, uh, leg of the Imp Club. He wanted to come and do the tr- lap of South Africa with my Hillman Imps, and I was planning a whole big convoy of Hillman Imps around South Africa. But COVID and business has not been so good, and money has not been so good. So we've decided, I decided to cancel that trip, but he still wants to do that. So we might be doing it sometime later in the year, but with maybe one or two of my imps. Yeah, 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 so that's the plan. You sure? Yeah, this was given to me. This was the only clean garment we had uh, when we arrived in, 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 uh, in Coventry because they said, here, put this on. There's a picture of us putting it on there of, uh, dressed in this because obviously, you know, we used to wash our clothes in the shower at night. 
Yeah. We'd stamp on it and, and then try, and hang it out, hang it out the window of the car and dry yeah. it the next day. That was this how we. And yeah. that's the shirt they gave you when you arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. exact one. Yeah, this is the exact one. Yeah, wow. yeah. M50, go 50. Yeah, what does it say? Yeah, M50, go M50. Yeah. yeah. That is very. That's ten years later. Yeah. Yeah, it actually is. So and you said now that so you're gonna the guys want to come out. You want to do a trip. Uh, yeah. So away in South Africa. What do you we're basically, uh, Roger Pierce has again designed the, the, the route for us. Uh, Johannesburg, uh, Kimberley, one day, next day, a couple of, and then we got through Sutherland, Cape Town, spend a few days in Cape Town, George, up to Port Elizabeth. We're probably going to skip East London because if you do East London, then you have to go into, um, you have to go into, um, uh, uh, what's that place? I think this is the place I was trying to mention earlier on. I know exactly where you're talking about. Um, no, the, 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 the Sisky, the, the, the Trans Guy. That's the one we were trying to think about. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go into the Trans Guy. And then, um, and then from there into Durban. And Durban, maybe um, if, if Richard comes with his family, they might like to do um, Swaziland Kruger Park. Um, otherwise, I might just come straight back up okay, to Joburg. Okay, yeah. We'll see. Down. Maybe I'll do. Because yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. I've got time now, well, but you know, I've got time to build up to a bit of money to do that. It'll probably cost about 20,000 Rand per, per vehicle. Okay, that's not terrible. Not too bad. No. And then how long will it take? About 14 days. days. 14 days. 14 days, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember about five days uh, stopover in Cape Town and okay, stopover in there and stuff. Yeah. So well, that's, the, that's the plan. You must document that. And I know you've yeah. taken photos and written books, but maybe, you know, half an hour of a day you do it. What are we going to do today? In the yeah. Day. Yeah. Welcome to help you out with that as well. Nice. Hundred percent. Yeah. But uh, where can we find this info? T, where can we find you if somebody yeah. wants to read your book? If they want to contact you. So T also does some off-road training. Um, he's got two facilities that he trains from. The one is at the Line Park. Yeah. Just off Malabongwe, R five one two. Yes. Yeah. And it's... then another one next to Lanseria Airport. Yeah. Um, so if, if you are interested in doing some off-road training, spending time with Trip Ter- some time with Terry. I said James can do a two-minute presentation in half an hour, so you chat to you over lunch if you've got any questions and experiences that you want. You're more than welcome to do that. I will put the, the links into the chat below, but see where can we find you? Yeah, basically, uh, I've got a Facebook page as well, clearly. And uh, yeah, I sell the book to anybody who wants to share a few, few bob with me. And I also am prepared to do presentations if you've got a group a petrol head group or a car group or a church group or a, or a company any corporate, uh, any corporate event events. team building events yeah um, I can actually definitely do a nice chat um, and then we can do a special deal yeah okay. I'll put that, I'll put Terence's email address in the description otherwise I'll put it in the into the um, into the, the, the video now so you guys can contact Terence on today if you don't mind I'll put your Facebook in as well Facebook and you can also put in my cell phone number so if you want to contact yeah, me yeah 100% yeah Great, lovely, but, and um, thank you, Wes, man. It's been great. James, we've been threatening to do this for a while. I let you down last year. We had a bit of an issue. No, Wes. Well, I, I, yeah, but it's, <laughs> at least I get to meet your daughter now as well. I, didn't, I, I wouldn't first. have been able to meet her then. You were still building her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in production. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I do appreciate this tea. I know it's something we've spoken about for a long time. Mm. We've probably spoken about this for over a year. Mm. Um, mm. But uh, tea and I spend a lot of time together. And as I said, I mean, this conversation could have been six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. After work, we sit down, we have a few things, parents will have his tea or his coffee or his Coke Zero. We'll end up catching up on stories, but yeah. appreciate you going through as much depth as you did, TF. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been yeah. great sharing the story. I'll, I can talk about it till the cows come home, and thank you very much for facilitating uh, it, uh, Wes. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's um, good. 
But uh, guys, I will do overlays. You'll see all the pictures and stuff, T. So once we talk, I'll take overlays and put them in the videos. Fantastic stuff. If you are listening to it on Spotify, it's on YouTube. You can go check it on YouTube if you want to see some of the pictures that Terrence was speaking about. But uh, other than that, T, appreciate it. Last word for me. Yeah. If somebody's planning a trip like this, do not wait for the perfect day. Do it. Yeah, Just do it. Yeah. You saw, I, I went ill-prepared and I, su I succeeded. Ten days late. In actual fact, probably what was the biggest benefit to us was my complete lack of research. Well, true. I didn't realize how difficult it could have been. <laughs> no, but the thing is, they say, what do they say? Um, oh, my wife always says it. When it comes to expectation, you have a level and you have to supersede that level to get that expectation. But if you don't have a level, yeah. Again, Wesley, thank you very, very much indeed. So editing that, I just realized that uh, my video cut off, hence you couldn't really hear what I was saying in the background. But as I said in the description, I'll put all the links to Terence's um, socials there. Um, I will put his contact number, email address there if you guys want to contact him to get his book. The book goes through a little bit more um, information about what we spoke about on the podcast. But uh, if you are watching on YouTube, thanks for watching. Don't forget to give us a like, subscribe, and uh, Spotify as well. Um, if you guys do want to hear anything particular, if there's some discussions that you want us to have, we've got a few lined up on the cards. It has been manic from our side. But uh, let us know. Let us know in the chat. Uh, let us know in the comments. Let us know on Spotify. Email addresses there as well. Please give us a shout. And again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one.